going to. Alright, give me another another cue. Hit it. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Thursday, February 6, 2014. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 589er. This is no agenda. Separating Ace of Spades from Ace of Hearts here at FEMA Region 6 in the Travis Heights hideout in Austin, Texas. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where I count 11 episodes to go until show 600, I'm John C. Dvorak. It's Craig Lawton Buzzkill in the morning. Wow, I'd almost forgotten about uh, show 600. And I'm still in my menu-reading voice, apparently. <laughs> okay. I'll try to snap out of it. Yeah, please do, because, uh, you know, we have another episode of the best podcast in the universe to produce here for everybody. Exactly. <sighs> you know, we were, um, we have a, because Mickey has an art show coming up uh, in a couple of weeks here in Austin, we, you know, there's a little social stuff we have to kind of do, you know, you, you go to someone else's show and, you know, you, you basically we're trolling for buyers. Schmooze. Yeah, <laughs> schmooze. Trolling for buyers is what it's called. You know, let's go to this other art show, see if we meet anybody interesting. And can I invite them to the pre-pre-opening? So, of course, you know, again, the thing is, is, oh, and what do you do? <laughs> I'm so... This is a running gag yeah, on this show. Well, I, I, I think I have a new answer, which is just so much easier. You used to say legislative analyst and you got away with it. Yeah, government legislation analyst. But, you know, but then I still have to talk to people and explain everything. Eh. You know, so I figured, why don't I just say I'm half of a comedy podcast duo? <laughs> I think that and not people, quite true. No, yes, it is. It's completely true. This is a comedy podcast. I'm half of the duo that that hosts it. I think people will go, oh, because everyone's heard of Mark Marin or, you know, it's one of these guys. Right. Isn't it Mark Marin? That's what I said. Mark Marin. I thought you said Martin. No, Mark, Mark Marin. Oh, or uh, you know, whoever uh, Louis C.K. Anyone who has Carolla, any, yeah, Adam Carolla. Ex- in fact, even better. Why not just say I'm Adam Carolla? That's easy. you should just say I'm Adam Carolla. <laughs> I'm Adam Carolla. What's your problem? You're half right. <laughs> exactly. Well, slave strong, everybody. This is episode five eight nine of uh, the No Agenda Show. I just wanted to say that because someone sent it to me. I thought it sounded cool. Slave strong. We got San Francisco strong going on around here, and this other this strong thing is on my. I never liked it when Bruce Springsteen was doing it. Yeah. Well, of course, we had Jersey strong with Sandy. We had Boston strong with uh, the bombing, and I think Slave Strong is just good for us. Slave Slave Strong, everybody. It's a possible title. Let me write it down. (laughs) Yeah. Somehow, I think it might be misinterpreted by the SEO. Strong. <laughs> yeah, actually, it probably wouldn't work. But I, but I, I, I do love these Thursday shows uh, for a really a specific reason. You know, Monday is when you know, a new week starts, obviously, and we have a lot of time to research stuff, and and there's just there's just a lot of time to really get into whatever we think is, is we're going to, whatever I think I'm going to talk about. Let's put it that way. John and I never never um, communicate at all about what we're coming to the table with. And I think that's probably one of the hardest things is is deciding what we're going to talk about just to make it interesting. But it dawned on me that the Curry Dvorak Consulting Group, which we, I guess we joke about from time to time, but it really is quite real. Um, and, and here's the example. So, of course, I was very interested in all this heroin business 
Ah, yes. And uh, and as I'm watching the mainstream media, which is what you know, part of what we do to deconstruct it, I'm noticing a lot of really important questions that aren't being asked, like uh, what is heroin? You know, just <laughs> it's just a simple question. Or, oh, it's assumed. Yeah, yeah. Or where does it come from? Or you know, it's assumed. What, what? Yes, it it it's assumed. But when you so I'm sitting here and I've got my you know I got my three screens woo, but we really have and it, the, this show has an enormous reach of experts across all fields that it is mind boggling, and that really when you hire the Curry Dvorak Consulting Group you get that as a part of the package. Do you know what I mean? You know heroin began as a headache remedy. It sure did, uh, and it was. Uh, it was, of course, it's a derivative of... I think it was Bayer, as a matter of fact. Yes, it was. Uh, I, in fact, I.G. Proben, you know, the guys who made the the Jew gas and Bayer, <laughs> they did it together. And that came along with the invention of the hypodermic needle. And there's a great documentary. It's about an hour. I think it's a BBC documentary, which I have in the show notes. Uh, which, <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Now I re- I, I was just thinking about because I, I normally just let this stuff pass. But now I see why you get the kind of hate mail you get occasionally. The Jew gas. <laughs> it's easy. You, did you understand what I'm talking about? I know what you meant. Krylon or whatever <laughs> yeah. it's called. Zyklon B. Zyklon B. Right. Krylon is a, is a thing from DuPont. Same thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't care. You send me whatever you want. Yeah, nobody cares. Um, so, you know, so I'm, I'm getting all this information about fentanyl. Um, uh, there's some, there's some other interesting drugs that we're going to talk about and from all walks of life, from doctors, from addicts, from, uh, you know, uh, from people who, uh, for instance, um, I did not know this, but there is an acute shortage of fentanyl products at this moment in the pharmacies over the counter. Oh, just call Syria. <laughs> well, so this, this has been a, another part of the research, uh, which is understanding the chemical you, the chemical warfare use of fentanyl, which, um, of course, famous uh, example is, I think we talked about in the last show, is Russia. Uh, they used a, a version of uh, its three-dash-metal fentanyl gas in that theater. And, of course, it killed a lot of people. Because what, what this stuff does, essentially, it just makes you stop. It puts you to sleep, and then you stop breathing. You kind of forget how to breathe. Uh, but it's very interesting to see we have a, um, a surge of fentanyl. And, of course, I have a theory. But we have a surge of fentanyl being cut into heroin while people who have actual necessity for the fentanyl patch uh, or for the lollipop or even the injectable are having a hard time getting it. Their prescriptions filled. They have to wait 14 days sometimes. Mm, That's not good. Uh, Get the shakes. (laughs) Well... The fentanyl is uh, is very necessary for people primarily with who are taking cancer uh, medication or, or or just being eaten who have pain massive pain, uh-huh. uh, and and all of this stuff is you know, if we kind of go back to uh, to the heroin uh, start there um, I don't think people really know about the heroin wars and how um, how the two Scotsmen I believe uh, started by essentially drugging all of China. And um, and everyone in China was just completely whacked out on opium, and it was one of the big the big trades of of the day between the the empire and uh, and the Far East. Right for tea. If, yeah, we were traded. It was being traded for tea, and probably a lot of it was they would I mean, they must have been stealing so much. And, and at, at a certain point, the I guess the 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 ruler of Canton, 
And I'm paraphrasing all this. Not a, you go watch the documentary if you want to know exactly what happened. But he said, hold on a second. We've got to stop this crap. These guys are ruining our country. Millions of people were, were strung out on opium and, and just nothing was getting done. And then uh, they said, well, we're going to stop these guys. And they tried to, uh, and they said, okay, no more, no more. Uh, we're not going to import your opium anymore. And then the Brits came with the entire Royal Navy, slaughtered 30,000 Chinese, said, yeah, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. To hell. And they got, you know, they got millions in reparations. Um, and, uh, and, and the opium, so that was the, basically the first opium war. All this, the, oh, the Chinese soldiers were too doped up to even really fight back. But then this stuff started to slowly, you know, get into the, um, into the mainstream in the UK. And that's when the derivative of opium morphine uh, was first um, created. And then with the hypodermic needle, uh, along came heroin, which is really dimethyl uh, morphine. So it's a, it's, there's two molecules added to the morphine to get heroin. And initially they thought heroin would be a non-addictive uh, form of um, uh, morphine. And in this documentary, you see where the women at the time, and now we're talking 1840, 1850 in the UK, uh, they had these beautiful little silver syringe sets you know, with you know, monogrammed and little cute petite things. Of course, women couldn't drink. They couldn't smoke uh, in public at the time. And so they'd be at a, at a dinner party or at the theater, and they'd just jab themselves in the leg with a nice little shot of heroin. And it was all the rage. Well, things become ragey, that's for sure. Hey, can you do me a favor? Yeah. And check, I open up your uh, call technical info, because I'm getting a lot of receive packet loss. Oh, really? Oh, this is an outrage. Yeah, I'm missing out on a couple words here. Oh. It's, it's, not, it's not intolerable, but it's annoying. No, this is not okay. Let me see if I'm, am I, am I bopping bad packets? Uh, well, these, these situations are, um, this heroin thing is becoming kind of a rage, and we're starting to see packages floating around. I have one. I have no, I have no packet loss coming in or out. So, do you want me to just call you back and we just... No, 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 it's okay. It stopped. Right now, that's zero. It was, it okay. was going crazy right. for a while. Keep an eye on it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I'll yeah, do that. Let me play this heroin story that I think is pretty much summarizes what's going on everywhere. It's the heroin on Long Island. Okay. Centers designed to help those with addiction say where they once saw a number of 100 people in need of their help a month five years ago, they now see 700. It's become so bad, in fact, some public health advocates on Long Island call it a crisis. Dr. Jeffrey Reynolds with the Long Island Council for Alcoholism and Drug Dependence says in his 24 years in public health, he has never seen drug addiction numbers this bad. If you look at the overdose statistics on Long Island, they've continued to climb. Um, at this point on Long Island, we lose about one person per day to a fatal overdose. And while today's focus is on Philip Seymour Hoffman, the actor, according to national CDC statistics, was probably one of 100 people nationwide who died of a fatal overdose just yesterday. This is happening day in and day out. I think, you know, celebrities help raise the profile of the issue and help yeah. galvanize our attention. And it's probably the stigma that keeps Long Island's families who are struggling from telling the story time and time again. Another concern in recent years, tainted heroin. More of it out in the drug market, and obviously this is multiplying the risks associated with the drug's use. I'm Narmeen Chaudhry, PIX11 News. Yeah, so 
couple things about this. Unless you want to follow this clip up, I want, I want to say. A few well, I just want to say that, that this report I could have pulled it from San Francisco. I could yeah. have pulled it from oh, yeah. L.A. It's everyone, every, everyone's doing a, the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, very interesting. Fentanyl. Um, there's there's a couple of ways you can make fentanyl, and this has been fentanyl's been made for a hundred years. As long, you know, as long as it's also a, it's basically a synthetic opioid. And uh, the Janssen Company, which is now owned by Johnson Johnson, they have they invented the Siegfried method of creating fentanyl, which apparently, if you have the precursor, which is PNN or something, which is a restricted uh, chemical, if you have that, you can essentially make fentanyl in your living room. It's it's through the Siegfried method. It's not all. Which I think is kind of funny. They call it the Siegfried method, but anyway. Yeah, where's Roy? <laughs> hey, hey, everybody! Yes, he made a funny expected in the morning. Um, I have, I, I, but I do have a theory uh, on what's happening here. Uh, first of all, the, the fentanyl um, uh, mix. We had a very similar issue in 2006, and for some reason, and I, well, I may think I have an idea, but no one was talking about this at all. I don't hear any news story referring to exactly this problem. It was almost as many uh, uh, heroin-fentanyl combo-related deaths in 2006 as we have right now. And at the time, what I can find is very difficult to search these things once you have an incident like a, uh, an actor that dies. And right, so it, it varies everything. Google, it Google, Google washes, washes it. it, essentially. So, you ha- I mean, you can do date ranges, and I have my own search engine. Which so- doesn't work. It's very hard, very hard. But uh, so eventually you come up with some answers. And apparently at the time, the fentanyl was being produced in a lab in Mexico and was being smuggled in and then cut in the United States. So I'm, I'm looking at this and I've been, I'm putting all these things together. This kind of gets back to what I was talking about, the, the no agenda, um, uh, you know, the Curry Devorak Consulting Group, where we have all these people and all this information coming in. I was almost in real time. And able to, you know, I'm able to assemble all the different pieces that kind of snap neatly into place. And the first thing, and and I and I had to look this up. Uh, if you look at TV advertising dollars by the pharmaceutical industry, there's a significant reduction, particularly in cable news of pharmaceutical advertising. A lot of the money has shifted to the web. And it's shifted in the, uh, you know, in all these websites that give you, of course, you know, you have the typical WebMD and you've got the Dr. Oz stuff, but a lot of this so-called education and a lot of it's going into online video, just a lot of that money is shifting. And of course, they still buy their big branding opportunities, but it, but when is the last time we even played an ad on this show because we like to laugh yeah, at him so play much all the time i had one uh lined up for a couple of shows ago we never played it but but, it, I think, but it's it's not common i do see uh ambient still advertising but the amount sure. of on although i have to say this you don't one thing you don't do and i is watch the network news um i've i've specifically in the past few days did this to see what i could find well, all I know is from my – I haven't – well, of course, I haven't watched it for weeks. But last time I watched it, which was a few weeks ago, uh, almost all the ads were for people about to drop dead of something or other. Right. But I, and there's I, lots of ads. What for, I did is I went to Advertising Age, and I looked up the numbers of the ad buys. I mean, that that is the the the, the closest I can get to to some – to really seeing where the money is going. And one thing's for sure – very minimal money is going to cable news. 
And this is significant because who is propagating this the most is all the cable news channels. They've, it's been in, until the toothpaste bomb threats. My God, please. Uh, it, everything was all about heroin, fentanyl, heroin, fentanyl, heroin, fentanyl. And I saw a fantastic uh, piece on PBS. And, we, and this, is, this is one of those rare opportunities where you, you hear something, but you don't hear it until you're only listening to the audio and not watching the video. We have this happen to us all the time, where if, you, if you're not looking at the picture and you're just listening to the words and the flow and the cadence, you actually hear what the person is really saying. And on this particular program, there were uh, there are two people. I've cut I've cut this down to a couple of clips. One is Sam Quinones, and he is a reporter for the Los Angeles Times. I don't think he has necessarily any agenda with the things that he's saying, but the things that he's saying are very, from my research, very true. But at the, so he's in Los Angeles in the studio in New York. They had our drug czar Jill uh, Gil Karlikowski. And when you listen to this guy speak, it is like he is actually, well, you tell me that this guy is not actually pitching the use of heroin. It's, <laughs> and, and it blew me away when I just listened to it while I was editing it down. There is no question we are seeing a resurgence of heroin. And seeing it where and in what kind of populations? Well, it's very different. And uh, uh, two issues come up. One is, of course, if prescription drugs are more tightly regulated or less accessible or more expensive, people can turn to heroin because they're already addicted. They suffer the disease of addiction to these opioids. Heroin is less expensive. But there's a second part, and that is that we see a group of young people who are very naive and believe that heroin, in used in certain ways, they won't become addicted. Uh, it's edgy, and what, of course, happens is it's incredibly dangerous. Now, I did not hear him for one second say, don't do heroin. I hear him giving some facts and stating them so matter-of-factly, it almost sounds like, hey, you're addicted to prescription medicine. Well, you can always get heroin. It's readily yes, available. Budget. It's cheaper. And uh, kids, you know, this is edgy. And I'm like, wow, the guy is, is he's almost pitching it. He's not almost pitching it. He's pitching it. it. He's pitching it. Now let's go to... Um, Mm, let me just make sure. Here it is, Quinones. And listen to what he has to say, because I think he's, he's, re he's really giving us some good facts here that help us understand what is happening. And uh, eventually I'm going to get to my what I, theory of what I think is happening, which this fits yeah. into. Uh, I've been uh, all over uh, the country, and, and I would say largely this is a white problem. I don't find uh, opiate addiction too much in uh, black or Latino populations. This is very <laughs> different from the way uh, heroin spread uh, 40 years ago in the now, this is this is pretty critical stuff <laughs> this is and and of course oh, I'm just playing yeah. in the 70s where a lot of uh, uh, black and Latino communities were really badly hit heroin today and prescription pill addiction today is almost entirely white a white phenomenon and it's in rural America it's in uh, largely in uh, suburban America uh, places that have done fairly well uh, middle class upper middle class uh, areas and it's in towns that that really never had a problem with heroin before this uh, Charlotte Salt Lake Columbus Cincinnati uh, Albuquerque places like that where you just didn't really see it so much now it's become a very very big problem and as uh, 
Gil Kurlikowski said it's mostly related to the use of uh, the, the gateway drug in all this is uh, are these uh, uh, prescription pills. Well, I love what this guy is saying. He, so he's really explaining the problem and he's going to get into the numbers of where the where this is coming from, particularly when you know that these drugs are pretty much exactly the same. Well, explain that a little bit more, Sam. You start. Uh, the, the, the well, m many of these prescription painkillers are virtually identical molecularly to heroin. Oxycodone <laughs> is very, very similar, uh, almost identical to heroin. The problem is that there's a... Notice how he said that twice? Yeah black market in these pills now uh, because they've been so widely prescribed there was a revolution in medicine in the united states uh, back in the uh, 80s and 90s that said these pills are non-addictive ones prescribed to pain patients chronic pain patients so we had this kind of rising sea level of, of pills all across all across the country a, a, a very deep black market developed in which these pills now cost a dollar a milligram most of these pills come in 30 40 80 milligram doses that means you're you're having to pay 30 40 80 bucks a pill and a lot of people getting addicted their tolerance rises they cannot they, they end up using three four five of these pills I've met people who had three four hundred dollar a day addictions heroin on, uh, comes in and it, it's it's a fifth to a tenth cheaper than that and if you're already a lot of these folks getting addicted to the pills have already begun injecting and when they start injecting it's kind of like they've crossed the rubicon in a sense and so uh... heroin injecting heroin isn't that much different from injecting these pills it just happens to be far cheaper so there's the there's what's really going on uh... with this epidemic in the united states uh... certainly in the united states but i think it's uh, it's worldwide and and finally someone asked me uh, asked the question where is this stuff coming from? Uh, which we believe is from uh, Afghanistan. Has, has to be from Afghanistan. I'd also say the kind of the tell is this Ace of Spades stamp. You know, Ace of Spades and Ace of Hearts. These are very militaristic uh, emblems, and certainly found uh, many units in Afghanistan. So I, that was just. My, I don't have any proof of this, but I'm yeah, just thinking. Yeah, we we we, we can let that slide. Get to your. Uh, I've been. You're teasing us a little too long here. Well, what you, is this theory? You need to oh, you need to have some of the real information. You need the background. Okay. Oh, well, okay. I'll skip this clip and uh, you'll never hear it. Well, don't get mad about it. It's just <laughs> like I'm waiting for the for the punchline and All it's right. not coming very fast. All right, fast. here it is. Let's listen to Kanonis one more time. Um I'm sorry. Uh Gerlikowski uh, with his messaging. Kids get plenty of pro-drug messages. We need to give them anti-drug messages, particularly around heroin, that work. Okay. What did he just say? Kids get plenty of pro-drug messages, which would be what you see on television, advertise what you see on the web about all these groovy drugs. What we need to do is create some anti-drug messaging around heroin. Let me just play that again and listen to it. Kids get plenty of pro-drug messages. We need to give them anti-drug messages, particularly around heroin, that work. So here's what I'm seeing. This is a war between the pharmaceutical industry and the, the, the illicit drug industry, whose pricing have dropped down now from around 20, $15 to $20 just a couple of years ago, now to 4 or $5. And the, and the number one way to do that, if you want people to come back to your drug, is to make the competitor's drug look dangerous. 
And who has access to fentanyl? And and especially since there's a, there seems to be a shortage, I'm thinking the pharmaceutical industry is at war, maybe even with just the, the media, who of course shill for the banks and the political whores, and that's where, that's where the, the heroin money runs. And maybe they want some of that money back, but because they haven't been advertising, you know, they're not, they're not getting the exposure they want. I'm thinking it's very possible that this has been a spike by pharmaceutical industry to scare people away from the heroin which kills you, back into the safer heroin, although it's more expensive. And, you know, just to prove their point, they say, fuck it, kill an actor. Which is what they always do when we really want to make a point. Well, they had uh, apparently 100 people are dying a day of overdoses, and there's every, every so often an actor gets involved. And the actor, I don't know if people have that much sympathy for, you know, the, the actors being rich and then oh, killing themselves oh, on heroin. With, with Philip Seymour but, Hoffman, there's nothing but sympathy. Yeah, I know I'm saying, but I think I don't know how much of it is, is actually such that it would affect the culture. Uh, I mean, it's just sympathy for, you know, we had sympathy for, uh, what was it, Whitney Houston or whatever and all the rest of them that have dropped dead yeah, over the this, last... Uh, this is very specific, as it now comes to light, that he died of a mixture of heroin fentanyl, which is... No, no, that's been rebu- that, that's been on and off. No, we have no, n- that last report was no. Uh, we... Mm. Okay, I have a different report here, but you know what is the New York Daily yeah, News the, the versus Associated the... Press had the fentanyl one, and then it was rebutted by the New York Daily News, and then all the news uh, outlets in New York say that it wasn't fentanyl. They just say it's still a problem. So I don't know whether I, okay. that could come back into play. Right. There's well, something fishy I'm, about I'm this. I'm going. I'm going to think that was fentanyl, but you know, it'll. It's almost. It, it it almost doesn't matter at this point because I don't know why they. By the way, why they didn't? I mean, they had sixty bags or something, according to them. Yeah. But the, Whatever the case. But the news is very consistent. The news is you get hooked on the prescription pills, then you go to the cheaper heroin, L, and now it's killing you. No, that is the message. That's the message. And I think particularly with, you know, with the Affordable Care Act, maybe we're going to see some repricing or something's going to happen. But people need to get back on the regulated stuff. That seems to be the message that I'm hearing. That seems to be the message from uh, Gil Kerlikowski. The message, though, that's actually coming through that I think the point you really originally made, I think, is a more valid one, which is that the real messaging is you can use heroin. It's cheaper. And then the, and the, when the guy says, oh, oxycodone's the same as heroin. I mean, that seems like the wrong kind. That's messaging. Isn't yeah, no, no, work. no. That messaging is totally there, John. That is that is absolute. But I see two messages that and I'm thinking the fentanyl is a message of a different sort. The fentanyl is the dangerous message. That's the dangerous message. Yeah, you can buy heroin on the street, but you might get fentanyl and be dead. Now, check this out. This is the wonder drug Narcan, which is now being pushed. So if, this is by prescription only. Uh, this People want this over the counter. It's now going into the hands of uh, police officers. Uh, EMT already have it. Vince Corvelli's son had overdosed on heroin. He was starting to turn blue. He wasn't breathing. He was gasping for breath. Paramedics were carrying the drug naloxone, better known as Narcan. Five or seven minutes, they came back and said he was awake and breathing. 
This person is actually waking up from the dead. copies. Now, the drug that's long been used by paramedics and in emergency rooms is in the hands of police officers. And by the way, this package is highly produced. This is a pharmaceutical industry produced or at least paid for production package. This is not just your local news that just threw this together. This is good. Listen to all the sound effects. Cops who are often the first on the scene of medical calls. It's very surreal. It's literally the person is blue, their lips are blue, they're not breathing. Uh, this individual did not have a high beat. Wake up! And they're up and they're talking. It's, it's simply amazing. Death by heroin or painkillers. We're not going to arrest our way out of this epidemic of substance abuse. It's a disease, so we have to help the people. The Quincy Police Department's track record using Narcan is extraordinary. Its officers have administered it 221 times and reversed 211 overdoses in just over three years. This is kind of like the Pulp Fiction thing where he, you know, he jabs the adrenaline needle in her chest and, and she comes back to life. That's literally what this is, except you, you spray it into someone's nose. And as they're dying of an overdosis, they come back to life. It completely nullifies the effects of heroin. Well, how about this for a thought? You've made a mountain out of a molehill, and all this is orchestrated by the company that makes Narcan, which is, by the way, should be a generic drug from the way I see it. Only it one company makes it. Sankyo? Uh, let me see. Because uh, Naloxone, which is the is the drug itself, mm -hmm, yes. was developed by Sankyo in the 60s, yeah. which means that anyone can make it. But only one, as far as I know, only one company actually makes it's it. It's marketed under various trademarks, including Narcan, Nalone, Narconti, which is three different mm -hmm. drugs, which but means I, three different countries, I don't, companies. I don't, I don't know if they're from... Th I, I had a, a note that said it was just one, but it could be. But, you know, it, when it's generic... You know, there's not all that much money to be made. Uh, that's not true. The big drug companies are buying up all the generic companies, and they're mm -hmm. charging the same. For example, uh, ProVigil has, has gone generic, and mm -hmm. if you go buy the generic version, it's the same price. Actually, oh, it's a little okay. more. All right. Well, this could be. That, that, that could be one part of it. It seems like you know, this is the magical drug, and, and you see article after article now of people saying, oh, if only uh, someone – if only – Hoffman had had some Narcan and someone around, a buddy, <laughs> a safety buddy. Well, they had, if you look it up in, if you look up Naxalone, you'll find there on the web, there are, everybody's talking about, oh, Ohio wants more and all the rest right, of it. Right, right. So this is a big deal. I think you've stumbled onto. So, I'm not sure that the the other aspect, which is, you know, get people on oxycodone. Well, it, it, no, there's, th there's three aspects. I think there's much more to it. One is we have uh, the the heroin trade, which runs our banking industry, which runs d so much. Uh, you know that needs to be propagated, and so you know this is why we have this conversation ongoing, and uh, it all the dangerous talk gets people to do it more. But there is most definitely led by the drug czar a push to get people back and it's all about education and we can't you know you heard that you can't we can't arrest our way out of this we can't make any laws people have to understand and the understanding will come in the form of you need to take the the good stuff the only problem is who's going to pay for it and then this narcan pops up and this was actually i was tipped off to this by uh, chad our uh, our fireman uh, emt guy in uh, boulder and he says just wait he says just wait because he's had this in his, in his pack for a long time because you know he, he helps put out fires, but most of the time he's dealing with morons. 
What is the cost of this stuff? $20. $20? Yeah. Oh, that's a good deal. Uh, you want to hear what Chad had to say about Narcan? Sure. Because I, I sent this video to him. He said, ha, if only Narcan were so simple. It's a pretty amazing drug. It really does turn. So he's, he uses this on people who are ODing. It really does turn people back on pretty much instantly. Of course, when people get bounced back that hard with Narcan, they almost always puke and are generally pissed and sometimes go into immediate withdrawal, which can include seizures. Not fun. I generally... (laughs) (laughs) Understatement of the day. Uh, I generally administer... Well, listen, it gets worse. I generally administer the absolute minimum dose to keep them breathing. Of course, I can monitor things like blood oxygen levels and exhaled, uh, uh, exhaled end tidal CO2, which is helpful. The sedated junkie is so much easier and safer to manage than the full power junkie. Also, the half-life of Narcan is usually much less than most opiates. This means that people wake up, the Narcan wears off, and then the opiates, before the opiates do, and then they go back to being, uh, to overdosing. Of course, things get more complicated with a polypharm overdose. The meth-heroin combo is fairly common. I'm learning stuff I never thought I'd ever know. In the case of the meth head who freaks out and needs to come down right fucking now, he may choose to medicate his whacked out meth mind with whatever available central nervous system depressant he has handy. Heroin's very good at this. It's cheap and prolific. So the meth head shoots heroin to come down and goes nighty night, starts to OD. Then when Joe Jingle ass paramedic gets called because meth man turned blue and hits him with a full Monty dose of Narcan... The meth head awakens, completely redecorates the back of the ambulance with vomit exorcist, exorcist style, and because the meth is still active under all the heroin, becomes the Incredible Hulk. He says, when you're puke wrestling the Incredible Hulk all by yourself in the back of a six-by-eight-foot box, this is not so much fun. I prefer, I prefer the sedated junkie. So this is, there's a lot so going on. So you have to strap these guys down a Big time. Yes. Yeah, well, of course, because the, the Narcan does away with the heroin overdose, but then the meth comes back and they become in, insane. Yeah, no, this doesn't sound good. Do people got to stop using these stupid drugs. They're idiotics. <laughs> the, more, the heroin's just not a good drug. Well, and meth is? <laughs> so, you know, it's, um, I find well, There's it, definitely something going on. I have two clips because I think it, 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 I don't know where it applies on this, but they're, they're, these drug companies are up to something. Because this, these are two produced clips that are that came in as packages, and to me, it's it's part of the war on generics. And we've mm-hmm. talked about this before. There's two wars going on by these drug companies. One is the generics. They they try, like I said, they buy the companies up, and then they charge the same price for the generic drug to screw the customer. Right. And and then there's the. Uh, Let's see. There's another. They have this other war going on. But let's play this war on generics, uh, part one. Just the synthetic first. hormone drospirinone used in Yaz and the generics that followed is associated with double the risk of blood clotting when compared to earlier oral contraceptive formulas. However, doctors note that the risk with any oral contraceptive is still much lower than the clotting risks associated with pregnancy. But what the Alexanders discovered next affects more than just women. If you're taking a brand name drug, you can sue the manufacturer for uh, problems with side effects and death. But she was on a generic drug, so we have no recourse. In 1992, Hmm. the FDA started requiring generic drug labels match the brand name versions. 
The goal? Assure doctors generics were equivalent to brand names. But since then, a series of Supreme Court cases has led to sweeping protections for the makers of generic drugs, including Pleva v. Mensing, where the court ruled you can't hold generic drug manufacturers liable for failing to warn consumers of risk because the generic label is a copy of the brand name as required by the FDA. And right now, the law is in a state of chaos where no consumer has any rights at all uh, against directly against a generic pharmaceutical company. And we're all scratching our heads trying to figure out what to do with it. Now generics account for 80% of all prescriptions, wow. and the FDA is considering a rule change. It would allow generic manufacturers to update labels independent of brand name counterparts. Family planning expert Dr. Michael Policar says that would help inform consumers about risks sooner. But in the meantime, women need to consider all birth control options. Now, this is really, what a bonanza. These guys already had it for the vaccines where you can't sue them for if, if you if you die or get anything from a vaccination and now they buy up the generics and you just can't sue anybody because it's just some generic thing yeah and then they but they still would like you to buy the brand names or at least associate because right. when you listen associate, to part two yeah. of this you get the you get the full impact there are both other methods that are more effective and safer for example like intrauterine devices and implants and then there are 50 different oral contraceptive pills on the market as well generic manufacturers are fighting changes and ask the fda to take more time considering them in this letter the changes as proposed will have far-reaching consequences affecting patient safety as well as health care costs. But that argument isn't enough for Jane and Michael Alexander, who are holding out hope for change. It's too late for us. It's too late for Lauren. But it's not too late for other people who are harmed by generic drugs. Hmm. Harmed. Harmed, yeah. So they had harmed. these people come in and say, you're harmed by generic drugs. Now, th- what you said is that... Is very interesting because, first of all, the report. Why would the generic drug companies want to change anything yeah. if they're if they're off the hook for everything? So that's something's bogus about yeah. that logic. Yeah, seems to me I'm off the hook for everything. I don't want to change anything. I'm not going to get involved. Well, maybe it's just the flexibility if they need to add something. You know, there's there's a, something. There's yeah, a, but there's a new these, side effect or big drug companies that are are the ones that are buying up all these generic companies. And so I think your mm. first assertion, which is that let's move this to generic, charge the ah, same amount of ah, money, ah, ah, ah. and okay. take, ourselves, take ourselves right out of the legal implications. Right. Interesting. Well, there's... And by the way, this is, I think this war on generics mm-hmm. is, is, is not, it may not really be a war on generics at all. It may be a, 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 fa- a, fake, a war? fake And war? the war on compounding is the other one that's yeah. going on. Oh, that's, you know, insurance no longer covers compounding. So there's something phony about all this stuff, and it all leads to the big pharma companies. Well, as and we, I say your report does too. Of course it does. Yes, and but it's like big pharma wants. I, but you know, I don't know. I, it maybe has something to do with the advertising, but I, something's going on because this is a lot of just a lot of smokescreen. It seems to me for all kinds of. Something's, somebody in the drug business must know. They must have <laughs> yes, got so, so, Somebody got a memo somewhere. And they've got to send us a copy of it. But this the, the fentanyl thing is so weird that this happened in 2006. They said it came from Mexico. But now there's an, we have actual users of fentanyl who can't get it. Or the, the refilling the prescription takes two weeks, up to two weeks. 
Um, and this is from producers who have emailed me directly. And, and I really looked for the Syria chemical weapons connection. It's very hard, to, although metal fentanyl, of course, would come from Russia, and experts disagree whether that was uh, used in, uh, in Syria. So there's no hard evidence that it was used. Uh, there, there's a lot of indications it would make sense uh, for for Russian weaponry to come. We've also we've yeah used, no the Russians supply the Syrians with all their weaponry, so why yeah. wouldn't they? We have also used fentanyl gas in Iraq, uh, and this was there was a big I think it was um, uh, the Sunshine Report or something. I have it in the show notes somewhere. Uh, this was a Rumsfeld thing. Rumsfeld really wanted fentanyl gas. Uh, to be legalized and to run outside of the uh, chemical weapons treaties because he said, well, it's not really a, a chemical weapon, it's an incapacitor. Of course, unfortunately, when you get incapacitated, you can't breathe and you die. But the, there was a, there was a big, eh, big... details <laughs> For him, yeah. Very, very just annoyingly small detail. What was it called? It was called the... Um, uh, and a lot of this has been has really been removed from the record and Google washed, and you you can't find any of this anymore. But in Iraq, uh, there are accounts of American-made fentanyl gas being sprayed from helicopters onto uh, onto citizens, and you know, and it basically, basically you puke and you stop breathing, you die. Um, so you know why why this is happening now? I think it may just be coincidental. That maybe there was a lot of fentanyl all of a sudden showing up on the marketplace, which is what we surmised a little bit on the last show. But I'm thinking more. It's, you know, I'm thinking this is coming from somewhere else. Um, it, people are crazy about the fentanyl. Chad told me that he he's witnessed people who had stolen the patches would roll up the patch and try to smoke the patch directly, just to roll the patch. What is wrong with everybody? <laughs> well. Now this is this is another point. This is all the people keep talking this it's a, about it being a sickness. Um this addiction to heroin and heroin opioids. But really the way I understand the, how it happens and I'm going to be able to talk to the brain professor tomorrow night. We have another one of our Obama bot dinners. Oh good. What what happens is the 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 this uh the opioid comes into the brain, hijacks your uh, your neuroreceptor pleasure center and basically ruins it so your brain only really responds to happiness coming from the opioids no longer from your from your natural um uh, uh you know, your natural meth has a similar effect of ruining your uh brain so you you can't enjoy things right so is that a sickness well it's a it, well, it's not a disease it's not it's not airborne it's a is it a sickness? It's a uh, syndrome, I think. But it's a self-inflicted syndrome. Yeah. Well. No, I'm. You I'm chop just... off your arm, and it would be you wouldn't have an arm. It's self. <laughs> well, no, but that's that's what I mean. Is I, we just get this constant? Oh, it's so sad. He has the sickness, and like I'm not so sure about all that. Well, if the if the if the effect is permanent, which it is with meth, supposedly. Uh, where you actually have ruined your pleasure center. Yeah, so then it's, a, then it's with, a condition. Then it's, it's not a, but it's not it's like. A, yeah, it's a condition that it's a brain damage. You just essentially, okay, here it is. Why don't you just hit yourself in the head with a hammer? Right. And see what happens. It's a, you know, or get a concussion or two. Right. Uh, it's, it creates a, it, it, it sounds like it causes brain damage. Right. But then, the, then what happens is people get this brain damage from the legally prescribed pharmaceutical versions. Now, now the whole thing that, that you overlooked in this 
is another kind of a of a, an argument that's going around. It began on sports channels, mm-hmm. and it was a special done uh, on uh, real sports with Brian Gumble. That's probably why I overlooked it. Yeah, well, you're <laughs> overlooking some interesting stuff because there there's a bit huge movement among the football players to get the NFL to legalize marijuana. No, 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 we've you, talked about this. this yes, is, I know, yeah. I'm gonna, but you didn't bring this up because the, there was a couple aspects we didn't talk about, which is that many of the football players believe that the heroin derivatives and some of these drugs that they're getting, including one guy who apparently blew out his kidneys and had mm-hmm. to go on dialysis over some mm-hmm. painkiller that he mm-hmm. was prescribed to an extreme, mm-hmm. uh, is they say it works better marijuana and doesn't have any after effects and it's like you take instead of taking these horrible opiates yeah but i'm they not dope it right and they <laughs> don't see it being a problem but i'm not hearing this conversation in the lexicon i'm this is what i'm, I'm not I'm, either and i'm wondering what the why we have these parallel debates going mm, on mm. with no conclusion because this again to me would indicate that they're maybe they're trying here how about this for an idea they're tr- the marijuana thing is huge. It's taking over the place in terms of what's going on culturally. Right. It's going to be legal everywhere eventually, but nobody wants that. This is a huge threat to the industry because if what the football players say is true, they don't, these, these, all these, these anti-pain medications could be wiped out by something and grow in your backyard. It's possible that trying to draw attention to the other side of this debate, keep marijuana completely out of the argument because there was not one thing in the entire research you did just now or or anything I've heard where the, the heroin issue and marijuana is brought up. The no. gateway drug is no longer marijuana. It no. used to be. No, the, everybody knows the gateway drug is Facebook. This is obvious now. <laughs> I'm not kidding either. Well, well, Facebook. No, seriously, Facebook is a it, it messes with your brain. It's like, let me show everybody that I'm not a total loser, and please like me, like me, like me, like me. This is not this is not healthy. This is very unhealthy behavior. <laughs> you just jumped. I don't know what you you didn't jump a shark. You jumped a chasm of some sort. You brought Facebook into it. Uh, I'm I'm just telling you that I believe that that Facebook is a gateway drug. That's all. We can go back to marijuana. How about this? What if? The idea is, to sh- so we have the parallel of the legal heroin and the illegal heroin. In both cases, they're not good because they permanently damage your pleasure center, your receptors. Uh, but in, uh, in unsupervised use, you die. How about we go to pharmaceutically produced marijuana? I think a lot of people would be very into that idea that, okay, it's no matter what I do, whether I grow it, whether I... Uh, drink it, smoke it, put it in my butt. I'm not going to OD from it. But it's probably better if I have the pharmaceutical industry make it for me and measure it properly. Um, I think that I think that boat's already sailed. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of money to I be mean, made. I mean, have you been to one of these dispensaries? No, no. No, I go to the corner like normal people. It's like they have... <laughs> hey, man, got a dime bag for me? Those days are over. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, cry. It's a dime bag. I used, I, I used to do, uh, you know, Silk Road until they got rid of it. I, or I, I'm afraid to do it now. I'm afraid. So, to what is your order? I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't order. I, I don't. Well, do when drugs. you order some, what'd you get? I'm not telling you. I'm not going to incriminate myself. Oreos are just as addictive as cocaine. <laughs> there you go. 
I ordered Oreos. Well, you're right. There's something about, well, I don't know, but here's, here's, the, here's your coincidence. 10-year anniversary of Facebook, massive amounts of heroin <laughs> use. I, I'm just... Pointing no, out, is it no coincidence? I'm pointing out the uh, the obvious coincidence? here. Coincidence? <laughs> I think not. I, I'm not. Ma- I'm not making this up. I see people going into very weird modes because of Facebook. And there's st- there's you know there's oh, of course there's all kinds of dopey stupid stupid surveys. But well, you're not on Facebook. I check this thing out regularly, at least two oh, or there three. There you go. Yes, two or three times a week, and I get and I can feel it. Just John, like, come on, admit it. Admit it. You'd go more than that. No, I do not. Absolutely not. I don't. I can't. It makes me unhappy. It's just like watching television. Although when I was watching the Super Bowl, of course, I got pretty happy because, you know, like my prediction came true. Uh, you're the better pr- predictor of the two of us. No, I have to be honest with you, though. I, there's something I didn't tell you. What? You knew the game was rigged? Well, the game is rigged. That's why it's easy for us to guess it or to uh, to predict who's going to win because yeah of course please did you see that first snap come on oh come on well here's what's interesting about that first snap i found out is there was actually a i think it was an it wasn't eight to one but it was something like 50 to one there was an eight to one bet that you could get in vegas that said there'll be a safety in the game oh, well and, hello and there every it game is. has a safety but wait there was a 50 to 1, I think it was 50 to 1, and somebody pointed out that those odds seem actually kind of low for this bet, which was, will there be a safety on the first play of the that game? That must have been more than 50 to 1. No, wow. that's the point. Huh. Uh, well, so- No, the point is, here, wait, wait, hear this out. The reason it wasn't as high as it should have been, which seems to me to be 10,000 to 1, yeah, yeah. is because they Everybody knew. knew it, everybody was in. They were all in, and the odds came way down. Oh, is there a way to get a chart of these odds to see if if, if the odds? You can see that you can watch odds change, but you'd have to chart yeah, it yourself. Yeah, you have to chart it, right? Oh, well, of course. So besides that, it's rigged. I told you I had a feeling. This like you know, I I also named the Pope. I'm a time traveler. Just, come on, come on, I'm just a, get to the. Point. I'm a time traveler. Yeah, you might be. You have no proof that you're not. You know what Mickey said? Buy a lottery ticket, douchebag. Yeah, Russ, I agree with Mickey. Yeah, buy a lottery ticket. Yeah, really, you really you want to show me your time trailer? Buy a lottery ticket. Say what, bitch? Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, go on with what you how you got this information. No, that uh, I have. I, there's no way I got it. It, it. I felt. I told you. I felt it. I tried to shoehorn it in. I came up with the Boeing angle. You didn't like it. Uh, people say, you know. By the way, the the marijuana laws do not kick in until April in Washington State. Apparently, yeah. So there was that that difference. There's another one that we completely overlooked because we are so incredibly colorblind on this show. This was a black quarterback versus a white quarterback. You know, there's that. I didn't think of that yeah, until someone pointed it out. I never heard of it. You know, I was like, well, whatever. Uh, young guy versus old guy, rich guy versus not so rich guy. I think Windows Eight really is the is the main. <laughs> that's the main issue that well, Seattle needed to win. Windows Eight is just that explains that's everything. Funny because there was an eight in the score, mm-hmm. <laughs> forty three to eight. But just tell me, you were sitting there going, "Fuck, fuck, I'm around, fuck, I'm around." I was no. When I saw the first play, that 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 safety, <laughs> you went, "Ah." Oh. I I said that's it. This game's this game. You might as well just it's over. I didn't realize that the the Denver team was going to be such nervous wrecks, yeah, and then it just got worse yeah, and worse yeah, and worse. And a, yeah. and it just became obvious that the one you know if it, the team if they played up to any kind of potential, 
there was no comparison. The Denver team was just incompetent. And they said all the records this year was a setup for the betting public. Well, my favorite um, of everything, of course, you know, we had all the security and we had the snipers and it was a level one national security event, yet no problem for a 9-11 truther to just roll up on stage and, you know, hop on the bus, get through everything with some bogative pass that he had from, you know, like uh, a Milli Vanilli concert. And it comes right in. Never think about being MVP. Investigate 9 9-11. 9-11 was perpetrated by people within our own government. Now, what kind of security is that? <laughs> That's not very good. What kind of security? Now, no one is going like, oh, how did that happen? Gee, oh, I'm sorry. The, the minute the game ends, it's no longer a security threat, uh, apparently. But... <laughs> You know, while tens of thousands of people are still waiting to get onto you know New Jersey Transit, so I guess oh, what the snipers went home is just all done at that point. We don't yeah, have they any more. Picked chips. him off right there. Oh yeah, where was the red dot on his head? Ah, oh, that that you know, oh, it makes me so mad that that no one picks that up and says uh, hello. Uh, all of that talk about the you know the, the air strikes and the the the. the, the Ring of Steel zones, all this stuff. No, 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 no nothing happened. No, no, no it's, it's okay. Could have been a terrorist. So people can get in. Well, look at the Soshi thing. Well, look, before uh, we do that. Uh, no, just, just no not before we do that. Uh, just say, what else did you have to say there, Adam? <laughs> I wanted to say thank you for your courage and in the morning to you, John C. Dvorak. <laughs> and in the morning to you, Adam Curry. <laughs> yeah. And in the morning, all ships at sea, boots on the ground, feet in the air, subs in the water, and all the dames and knights out there, and we have quite a few of them. Uh, we do, and thank you to our human resources in the chat room, uh, noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net. Thanks for being there, hanging out with us today. Thank you to our artists. Thank you, Patrick Baus, for the artwork on episode 588. com is where you can find all of the submissions. Uh, we use them for our newsletters. Uh, we use them for... Uh, yeah, for uh, just pretty, th- pretty things to look at. Sometimes they wind we up on use, T-shirts. I put one on the wall every once in a while. Yeah, exactly. And we have our uh, our trademark patented <laughs> value for value model, which means if you know we don't take any advertising money, if you actually like the value that we're giving you from the research we do, from the uh, the in depth analysis, then we'd like. So you apparently, to other the people are using the term value for value. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, that's I good. think it's cool. Yeah, I think we coined it. A lot of time people picked up on this. Yeah, I think we can safely say we coined it. Uh, But, you know, whenever you... So here's the the crazy thing. So you have a value-for-value model, yet people are doing this through a third-party company who's taking, you know, the total of 8% away from your value for value and shoving you down into a big group of people. This, This is the whole point, is we need to get away from these networks. No, I, I like the idea. Oh, you're talking. You're not talking about PayPal. Pe- no, 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 no. I'm talking about the uh, what's the oh Petroni pa- Patreon or whatever it's called. Petroni. Yeah, Patreon. <laughs> yeah, Patroni. Patreon. The idea is right, but again, you, people are working for tips. I hate it when you say that. Or a dollar per episode. Really, a dollar per episode? That's not value for value. That's you know. Not when the episode's longer than Star Trek's movie. Yeah. Well, or filled with better content. How about that? Yeah, you actually learned something. Yeah. It's like going to a seminar. A webinar. 
the webinar. This is our webinar. Yes. It's worth more than a dollar. Well, let's thank a few people who know it's worth more than a dollar and actually gave us more than a dollar. Uh, our executive and associate executive producers, beginning with Sir Rick Bressler in Arlington, Washington, who came in with 34543. And he did that because he's making his, he, he said, I could be a baronet, but I think I'm going to give my wife, Becky, Aww. a knighthood. And he sent a note in, I'll read. By my accounting, and he talks about his accounting, he's reached his second night, knighthood. My wife has been a little jealous of my knight ring. And he did seal the envelope with the wax. Ah, uh, nice. So instead of changing my status to baronet, I'll take a chance on getting lucky tonight <laughs> and ask you to bestow damehood on Dame Becky with all the rights and privileges thereof. Now, she may choose for Rent Boys and Chardonnay tonight, so I'm not sure you... you, know, you... I don't think so if you listen to this. Oh. He said, and I don't know if I should even read this, but I'll do it anyway. I'd rather have my testicles nibbled off. <laughs> oh, no, I'm saying this is different. It's different than I thought. He said he'd rather have them nibbled off by enraged fire ants than use PayPal. Uh -huh. So donations have taken the form of checks, direct bank transfer, which he did back in, uh, I guess it was last year. And we I don't know if we ever credited him for that. Anyway, because people have to tell us when they get the bank transfer because they, no, they don't send me a memo. Anyway, the donation six nine six nine may be a bit more work for you than taking credit cards online, and eh, not not too much more work. But at least PayPal doesn't uh, steal the money. I will follow up on uh, the rings. Uh, no agenda nation slash rings for the rings. Anyway, and, and by the way, I, I you know a lot of people are always complaining about PayPal being in the middle, and yeah, you know they they take a they take a percentage like a credit card does. Yeah, uh, we're okay with that. You know, they they provide a service, you know. Uh, and a record, record they do rec good record keeping. Yeah, you know, so people are, ah, fuck PayPal. You know, you know, you know, if you can do checks, great. We, we also accept checks from Canada. People well, always want to know. It will accept checks from anywhere. Anywhere. You can take a yeah. foreign currency check and take it over to the bank, bank mechanics bank in this case, and, and you send it through what's called collections. It's not like a collection agency. It's just called collections, and the the bank takes the check and then they go through some rigmarole it takes about two weeks but the money eventually shows up in the account uh after you know they have to send it to foreign currency exchange and all the rest yeah, but it's called yeah. so you could send us a check from, uh, anywhere, in, uh, from hong anywhere. kong dollars yeah and it will be and they don't take a big chunk of this they just you know it's couple of points you know what they and if, you're in business that what they don't do our bank is wire transfers they 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 get they get like a hemorrhage if you ask them for that if you want to do one no an incoming wire transfer but we get quite a few they i think they charge us a lot for that john you want to you want to look into no, it's, that it's very expensive yeah it's, it's not uh, worth yeah. it for anything yeah. under 500 dollars. exactly yeah there are apparently some banks that have almost no fees for wire transfers but our bank uh for whatever reason we mm -hmm. have our have theories uh don't like doing them they do them though <laughs> hey that they, they like dealing in cash what can i tell you it's a cash, it's a business. cash business cash business we like the, the checks it's lovely we also want to uh, uh there's he'll anyway rick will be the uh, executive producer along with shane o'hare uh, from wasilla alaska you know where that is mm -hmm. it's right there by russia yeah <laughs> oh, oh my god 
3.33 in the morning, John and Adam. I was listening to the Exceptional Sunday Show when suddenly the lights in my bedroom went out. I went down to the breaker box and saw that fuse number 33 had been flipped. <laughs> I knew this was a sign I had to donate. Your live analysis of the bad heroin was next level. And hearing John say, bitch. Say what, bitch? This is like lame, okay? Made me audibly laugh. I should be about halfway to a knighthood now, and when I finally hit it, I request to be knight watcher of Russia. Huh? Huh? All right. I can easily keep an eye out from it, a high out on it from my house here. The knight watcher of Russia. All right. Uh, And Wasilla. If possible, I'd like to give a plug for the site I wrote for, or I write for, geekscape.net. It's all about movies, video games, comics, and more. We're truly an independent group of nerds. So we have our first movie premiering at South by Southwest. That oh. means Adam has to go see this movie. No, oh, get me a pass for Doc of the Dead. Doc of the Dead. Nice. It's all about rabbit fans of zombies and features interviews with legends from genre, such as George Romero and Simon Pegg. Also, a shout-out to Royce Kokami and Megabuzz64, <laughs> Mega64 Boys. Uh, thank you guys for doing the show week after week. It helps me stay sane. I'm constantly hitting people in the mouth. Can I get a mac and cheese karma shot? Uh, absolutely. You slaves can get used to mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. Cheap macaroni and cheap cheddar melted together. Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. Mac and cheese. You've got karma. Anyway, uh, onwards, and then we go to our associate executive producers. I'm going to have to look up. I don't think he has a note. Let's see if you can find Sturko, if Sturko sent in an email. Okay. Nicholas Michelli in Albany, New York, $271.82. Uh, hi, John and Adam. Here's a donation modeled after another magic number out there, 271.82. I have nothing from Sturko. 271.82. Uh, I want you to look that number up. I'm an electrical <laughs> what, engineer. What am I? You're I value a, my education immensely. <laughs> you're stepping on me. I value my education immensely, both from school and the best podcast in the universe. He wants some karma to all listeners and people with pur- uh, purpose. Cheers. You've got karma. You had nothing from Sturko? Oh, am I allowed to talk? I'm sorry. I didn't want to step no, on I'm, you. No, uh, you're stepping on me. Well, you're giving me commands like find this no, note, saying, look up this number, Sturko. look up or this look number. Up number, do a handstand, dance, monkey boy, dance, monkey boy. There's nothing from Sturko. I have nothing from Sturko. I got nothing either. Sometimes, okay. Well, well, thank you, uh, Dennis uh, Sturko. Two hundred fifty bucks from Seaside Park, New Jersey. Benjamin, uh, we've done this before. Yeah, I know. I know. I know, and I can do it. Vermouille. Ah, not Uh-oh. even close. <laughs> Vernoy. Vermoy. That's what I meant. Oh yeah, I'm pretty pretty close. Benjamin Ver- Vermoy in Meppel. Correct. Uh, Two hundred thirty-five dollars. He's in Holland. It is Meppel. That's you can. I think you can figure that out. Requesting a shot at karma for my brother. Sir Adrian, who got me listening to the best podcast in the universe, and he's propagating the formula. Yeah, we uh, we knighted uh, Adrian on the previous episode, so it stays in the family. That's beautiful. You've got karma. Karma. Thank you, gentlemen. Eric nice. Brown, two twelve twelve in Felton, California, 
Uh, he needs a fuck cancer for his wonderful mother-in-law and a birthday shout-out for my twins. We have them on the list, Naomi and Noah, who turned six. Moreover, thanks for the analysis and entertainment. You've got karma. Gaz. In Wilmington, Delaware, 208. I think this he wants to pronounce gaze, I believe. Gaze? I think so, yeah. G-A-Z-E. But it would gaze. Gaze. I think it's gaze. Okay. I'll never get that. No. Uh, I'll try. But you can correct me. This this will finish off my knighthood. 208 for my birthday. But 208 for my birthday, February 8th. Okay. I can't thank the best podcast in the universe enough for helping me pass the hours traveling for work and more importantly, getting me to avoid those body scanners. Can I get an F cancer, another one, wow. and karma shot for those fighting their battle with cancer, especially the heroes of the B Positive Foundation? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, like Andrew.org. You've got karma. No problemo. You got it. Barry Kroger in Greeley, Colorado, $200. He wants karma for the family. Mm-hmm. Oh, a lot of karma requests today. You've got yes, karma. karma. <laughs> and finally, our last associate executive producer, we have seven today, which is a good deal. Uh, Michael Miller in Tiburon, California. Hey, Michael, I can wave to him from here. Uh, he wants a project completion rollout karma. <laughs> sure. I hope it gets done. You've got yes, karma. I, finished. I don't know if it's, if it's finished or if he wants it to be finished. Uh, when we're done with this little segment, I want to play the cancer spike clip because yeah. there's a, there's something weird going on, and I want to discuss that. I do have a – I will take a crackpot um, – I'm going to take a crackpot uh, position here, which I normally don't do. Well, I'd like to thank everyone who uh, – weighed in today with their financial resources for this program. Uh, you are hereby credited with either an executive producer or associate executive producer. What are you clicking? I've heard this for the past couple episodes. You're clicking something. I have. Uh, I'll tell you after the show. Oh, could you just stop it then? I, I, if, if, when it makes that noise, I can't You can't help yourself? It. It's unpredictable. <laughs> Okay, uh, so thank you, everybody. <laughs> Get your executive producer or associate executive producer uh, credit. These are real credits. Uh, unlike the douchebags in Hollywood, we'll vouch for them if anyone wants to know. If this is you know, if you're looking for a new gig, uh, particularly media related, well, you can we'll talk to them. No problem. We'll tell them exactly how valuable your contribution was, not just the monetary version either. Uh, and please go to uh, the following website to help us out for our Sunday show. Sundays have been very bad uh, support-wise uh, over the past couple of weeks, so please help us out. Dvorak.org slash N-A. Two quick PR mentions. I want to thank the anonymous donor uh, who gave us forwards on 6969dudes.com. <laughs> Okay. I guess 6969 dudes. <laughs> yeah. 6969dudes.com. Oh, okay. I get it. Uh, but maybe even better, after we played that uh, clip from the uh, the douchebag of Unilever at Davos, Paul Ballardin says, Good day, gentlemen. Thank you for your courage. Thought you may like to see the following website, which uh, has was discuss discussed in episode 586, now forwarding to the noagendashow.com, futureawesome.org. 
Wow. Yeah. That's I good, like that name. Yeah, futureawesome.org. That is who we are. That's what we're all about. And please Well, go- yeah, especially you. <laughs> what do you mean? You came from the future. Ah, there you go. Thank you all, everybody, and continue to go out and propagate the formula. Our formula is this. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. All right, cancer. Oh, yeah, this is an interesting clip because it, we notice a lot of these F cancer call-outs in our show. And uh, just play this clip and, and give this a listen. Juice. A stark warning from the World Health Organization. Cancer rates are set to soar over the next two decades. We're seeing a very rapid increase in the numbers of cancers worldwide, but particularly in the low- and middle-income countries. The factors were living longer, were more obese, and drinking to excess. There are things that people can do, and in particular what we want is to get out a message out there that you can prevent cancer. Hmm. Okay. Your thoughts, Mr. Devorah? There was a special, I, you know, this is, a, this is something you should be talking about. I don't know why I'm doing it. But there was a special on Free Speech TV. It was a documentary about electromagnetic issues and cancer, increase in cancers. And they went from one repressed report to another that weren't funded by the uh, telecommunications business, which clearly show that overuse of these cell phones and, and, and Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi all over yeah. the place is causing problems. Um, and they think yeah. it may be interfering with sleep patterns. I don't see why this would have to be so crackpotty. I, I think this is, um, in fact, 4G specifically has been mentioned as a as a, a huge culprit and instigator of cancers. But I also have to say, just look at what people are putting in their faces. You know, the people are not living healthy, and they say the low to middle income countries, which were essentially are you know we're what are, what are we pushing there? Coca Cola and hamburgers. Not like we're sending kale to Africa. Right, you know what I mean? I hadn't heard that. <laughs> yeah. That's where it belongs. <laughs> yes, I agree. Send all kale oh, yes. to, get to Send Africa. Send the kale to Africa. No, I, I agree. I uh, have collected kale recipes. I want to remind people to go to, or send an email oh to johnatdvorak.org with the subject line kale and submit your original kale, and kale uh, yeah, passed down recipes. Um, uh, the, 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 I, of course, I did see this report. Uh, the world the world health organization actually the headline of that report says uh, you know cancers to double by 2030 which was you know of course i love that so that's going on the the 2030club.com website i think we stumbled onto something well you know whenever people show up with jingles Then you know that <laughs> we're onto something. It's I think the twenty. That metal sound is perfect. It's the twenty thirty omnipocalypse, which I think is good because it, you know it's like an omnibus bill. It's the omnipocalypse. It's going to be everything. Omnipocalypse. Cancer. Uh, we, we should just have this segment. The twenty thirty omnipocalypse. Thank you, John Fletcher, by the way, for that cutting is- that. Omnipocalypse. I think it's O M N I P O C L Y P S E. Shouldn't it be C-Y-L-Y? You're asking the Dutch guy? I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah. It's good possible. 
Well, we, that's good. That's a yeah. start. <laughs> it's, well, can't under, it's like metal. You can't understand a word of it. Uh, you, but you put it in the uh, in the newsletter, which was good. You put the 2030. We have a link now on the donation page for 2030. The $20.30 yeah. donation. Yeah, very good. You become a member of the End of the World Club. And I was very surprised that you you put kittens back in the newsletter instead of puppies. I saw that kitten pick. I, uh, the, 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 if you think about the way that letter was formatted, uh-huh. first I told that we were told the our producers that we didn't get much in the way of support on the Sunday show, and so I had a kitten looking forlornly at an empty bowl. <laughs> but I was surprised mainly because the Super Bowl actually had switched to puppies. No, they always had the puppy bowl. They no. never had a kitten bowl. Oh, I, well, maybe. I'm just talking about the, the commercials. I saw Budweiser with puppies. And oh, yeah, puppies. Puppies everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it was puppy puppy week. That maybe when they have puppies, <laughs> then the one team wins and if kittens indicate the other. It could be. Now I'm going to look into it. <laughs> and by the way, how, I mean, you've, you, you've mentioned this many times because you watch games. I watch one game a year. And that's the Which Super is probably Bowl. the best game to watch, although it, it this is, was a, yeah. not if you want a real football game, but, but it was a fun game to watch. The militarism, the oh. militaristic, I mean, Bruno Mars, halfway through his song, then they're cutting away to people in Afghanistan and, uh, hey, uh, uh, can't wait to, you know, come home and, you know, and, and I am the... I spent four hours with Sergeant Fred here in Austin yesterday. Just, just I, well, yeah, every couple of months, I want to sit down with Sergeant Fred, Vietnam veteran, 82nd Airborne. He's a producer of the show. And, you know, and he's, he's got stories, you know, he's got stuff to talk about. And, and I just think how, and even he's like, what the hell? It's so disgusting. How this, the militarization, and then Budweiser, a Belgian company, pretends they're all patriotic and let's bring home the hero. Yeah, sure. But a hero of what? Of what kind of war? And everyone's just all in. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Troops, this troops, that. It's 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 so wrong. We're so militaristic. It's frightening. I noticed this. You see it in college games too. Oh, they have the flyovers. They have the, the military band comes out. Yeah, and they have. You oh, know, they, nice. I was at a Cal game a few years ago where they actually had a bunch of people. They brought it during halftime. They brought these guys out in the middle of the uh, of the game. I swear, and they 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 enlisted them. But this it has to be a combo of the the mind numbingness of what people who watch. I mean, people who really watch football, and that's what they do. I mean, you watch, you know, you're interested in the game, statistics. You got some money on it, whatever you're doing. But you're not hypnotized and only into uh, my team. This you're not doing fantasy football on Yahoo, and this is. It, it's a militaristic thing, and it's being interwoven, and it can't be healthy. It just can't be a good. It can't be I'm, good. I'm thinking Facebook is the uh, <laughs> is the instigator of all this gateway drug to this. <laughs> and, by, and then the guy who's the most patriotic, the number one patriotic commercial, Bob Dylan. Everyone is yelling at him, where he actually said, "Yeah, we'll make your cars." Which used to be a very normal thing. Every, people would be proud to drive American. And here's Bob Dylan. God, God bless him. Making some money. Like, and everyone's like, I can't believe he's such a sellout. Sellout. That's a Mitch Kapor on Twitter. Hundred millionaire. Mitch Kapor did that? Hundred millionaire Mitch Kapor. Oh, everything's ruined. 
sell out. Oh, like, it was a great commercial. It was incredibly patriotic. And uh, and everyone's just all over Bob Dylan. When did when's the last time you bought a Bob Dylan record, Mitch Kapor, and sent Bob Dylan some money? Yeah, horror. I can't believe. Uh, Would you rather have him starve? Let him starve. So this. Okay, so when I'm out and about, and when Miss Mickey and I, we notice this, and you notice this too, John. You know, you're you're like 61 or whatever you are, 62, 46. Hey, I. I go out and I and I I interact with people who are ten years younger than we are, and they don't look healthy. <laughs> they look stressed and tired and oh, yeah. and distracted. The are particularly beat. And I and 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 so I'm joking about Facebook, but it has to be a combination of the bullcrap that people are being fed, and you're supposed to believe. Toothpaste is going to explode. Okay, let's. I have the toothpaste report here. Uh. We both were on this right away. This seemed to be like a package for some reason. I'm not sure what it is. It's definitely a slamming Delta. Uh, but there's something going on. But play the toothpaste report. Where is it? I don't see it. That's why I'm, it's funny. because well, I'm, I'm, I'm. Oh, here it is. Uh, it, it's titled El Cuatist. All right, I got it. Warning about terrorism just as the Winter Olympics are about to begin. It involves, of all things, tubes of toothpaste and the Sochi Games that start on Friday. Kate Fuse, Patty Lee is live now at SFO. She learned it has no direct flights to Russia. So, Patty, given that, how are passengers reacting? Well, they are still Hold afraid. Hold on, stop, stop, stop. Stop. It, this is the way the report goes. So, Adam, there's absolutely nothing about this story that has anything to do with where you are. So how is everyone reacting? People are really frightened right now. They, uh, it's gotten so bad that they are now reverting back to baking soda and water. Back to you, Brolf. Okay. I just thought this was the lead-in was just like, for one thing, so it's non-story. Why are we playing this? But okay, apparently well, words well, out. you got to play Okay, it. well, first, let's be honest. The crazy two toilet, two toilet commodes, the the, the horrible uh, uh, hotel rooms for the journalists. That story was getting a little old. <laughs> you know, it's like, better. Yeah, like okay, this is much better. Because if explosive materials are hidden inside travel size tubes of toothpaste, travel size tubes. This is even better. Inside yeah, that travel. Means you can't take any toothpaste on the plane anymore. No, no, but e but even travel. So this little tube. The little thing, yeah. Take much for a determined terrorist to sneak them on board. Toothpaste tubes could be used to smuggle bombs onto planes. Woo! That warning came from Homeland Security today and is for airlines flying direct to Russia ahead of the Winter Olympics in Sochi. It's the type of venue where... You know, the terrorists kind of gravitate to it. I mean, Rick Smith is a former FBI agent and head of security firm Cannon Street. He worries about the safety of the Winter Games, which terrorists have already promised to disrupt, recently unleashing suicide bombers in other Russian cities. Gonna <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> they recently unleashed the suicide. The terrorists unleashed the suicide bombers. Yeah. Wow. No I love this. No wonder people look so shit. Optimized by all this stuff. Homeland Security's warning was directed towards U.S. carriers, namely Delta Airlines. And by the way, I went immediately to www.dhs.gov. Not a single warning, not a single press release, no news information, nothing about this whatsoever. No official from Department of Homeland Security was ever on. 
Uh, there's no document that's being pointed to. Which runs a direct flight out of New York. I believe the games will be safe, but we're in a very different setting in Sochi than we were in Salt Lake City. Sochi's a very dangerous neighborhood. Mitt Romney today called for more information about the specific intelligence to help the TSA, airlines, and passengers prepare. But Rick Smith says it's likely on a need-to-know basis. I'd like to think that there's more specific intelligence on what they're looking for other than just a toothpaste tube. If someone could bring it, you know, to a toothpaste, then it's, like, scary, so... It's like, uh, oh, I like something. Ah, scary. Yeah, I don't feel safe at all. SFO had little to say about this terrorist warning and only that it didn't have any information to share. So here at SFO and at airports across the world ahead of the Olympics, there's a lot of trepidation, preparation, and hoping for the best. You know, when I see this stuff... I of course this is bull bull crap. I I really I'm amazed. I'm just amazed how this propagates now everybody jumps on board and how much they just love this. I I have a couple of clips as well about the tooth just little blurbs and blippets and and schnigelagbas that I want to play because it, if you have a blippet I want to hear that for this sure. This is CNN breaking news. Breaking news. breaking news we're following. Word of a possible new terror threat only hours before the start of the Winter Olympic Games in Sochi, Russia. The United States is advising airlines with direct flights to Russia to be aware of toothpaste or cosmetic tubes that could be concealing explosive materials. So, uh, you know, the, the, when the way Brolf does it, just no one can really top the guy because he's so shameless. Let's say there's a toothpaste, uh, a, a <laughs> container of toothpaste, uh, and it has explosives in it. What kind of damage could that do to a plane? Uh, this is just a beautiful question. <laughs> it's just be- what kind of let's hypothetically let's let's what could that do to a plane? It was plane? filled with C4. What, what, could, it what do? could it do to a plane? Well, any any type of explosive, concealed explosive, can be extremely damaging. It could. Uh... This, of course, is uh, the douchebag uh, Peter King. Peter King. Oh yeah, no, I've got Peter King a couple times. Uh, oh. Yeah, it, it could be enough to bring a plane down. Oh, it could be. Peter King is now an uh, FAA expert. He's an He's aviation an expert, expert on aviation. It could Peter be enough. King you know, is. as you know, it could be enough to bring a plane down. Uh, and but again, any type of explosive on a plane is of great concern to us. Yes, great concern. Unlike who's the, he? Who's got a mouse in his pocket? Who's he the, talking the about? Unlike humanity who thinks it's okay to have an explosive on a plane so what so i guess the the key question are the athletes safe right now the american (laughs) spectators the family members the fans all of the guests who are going to sochi in the next few days are they safe Uh, are they safe say that they are reasonably safe but reasonably safe but hold on i don't want you to get the wrong idea here uh, i i would not go myself i mean i would not go myself screw those russians i were an athlete that's one thing but just as a spectator, if I was an athlete, that's one thing. Who vote this man out? I don't know why this guy gets reelected. This this is it's, it's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. And then, ah, oh, and then we have uh, Burnett, Aaron Burnett, and she needs. So she got Rogers because both Rogers and uh, oh, King. Rogers, Mike Rogers, that oh, other douchebag. They were both doing the rounds. These are the two guys who have oversight over all of our uh, uh, spying and security. I don't even know if they do airport security, but for some, they're the guys who will talk, and you can call no, at the drop of a hat. At the drop of a hat. So here's media whores. Yes, call. here's the prostitute with the media whore. Prostitute Burnett about Olympic terror. 
And there's all kinds of very interesting little memes that crop up here. Good evening, everyone. I'm Aaron Burnett, and we begin out front tonight with the breaking news. A top U.S. counterterrorism official tonight says there are, quote, specific threats aimed at the Olympics, which are just three days away. And by the way, no mention who the top guy was. None of that. U.S. tonight tracking the threats, racing against time to stop any terrorist attacks. U.S. warships and airplanes are moving into final position. Really? Warships, airplanes moving into final position this is like are we at war with russia they're moving into what final position they're on the our ships are on the baltic sea yes apparently according to aaron burnett ready to respond they're ready to respond <laughs> what president obama was briefed on the situation today and his team says that they are oh. quote taking all appropriate steps his team regarding the safety of americans and joining me now is Congressman Mike Rogers, the chairman of the House uh. Intelligence Committee. Uh, and, and thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, obviously, the director of the National Counterterrorism Center at the hearing today said, uh, I'll quote him, there are a number of specific threats when it comes to terror attacks at the Olympics in Sochi. How worried are you? How? Oh, this is, oh, you know, this is the guy to ask. How worried are you? I'm going to say that probably he can't talk too much, you know, because I don't know. Well, I think the venues themselves will ah, be okay. You know, okay. The, the Russians yes. have done a lot, a lot of guards, gates, and guns. Ah, here we go. Guards, gates, and guns. This is a new one, John. For some reason, this is like his little thing. The show title. Yeah, and he, and he brings it back in a second piece here with Aaron. Are you talking about al-Qaeda? I mean, what other threats do you have? What, what do you got on? Open up your book. What other threats do you happen? Can you just give me some names? Well, there are uh, Al Qaeda and Al Qaeda affiliates, Aha, uh, and we believe other groups that uh, yes. that uh, fit the terrorist profile ah, that have uh -huh. expressed an interest, uh, at least an aspiration of trying to do something <laughs> at the games. <laughs> okay. So all of that is concern, and it just kind of ups the opportunities. Uh, for a mistake to be made, if something to slip through, you know, one of the cracks in what uh, is a you know, uh, fairly robust uh, guards, gates, and guns there security is plan. Again. Remember, guards, gates, and guns security plan. There's something up with this. The best yeah, security yeah. you can have is that combined with fully robust intercooperative uh, intelligence. Yes, and that, fully that robust. Last piece yes. is missing. Yes, fully robust intercooperative intelligence. That's what we need. That, and that's not a show title, by the way. That's just too long. Uh, but it doesn't stop there because, you know, we have toothpaste and guards, gates and guns. But apparently we now have uh, cyberfied the Black Widow. Black Widows are female suicide bombers, <laughs> traditionally women seeking revenge for the death of their husbands. But that's changed. Now there's a whole new group of Black Widows. What terror experts are telling us are Black Widows 2.0. Okay. Woo. Upgrade. Uh, uh, I'm just speechless. That's a borderline clip of the day. I am speechless. I had no idea. You know, she has just deteriorated. I don't watch CNN anymore. Uh, I have to be honest. I'm glad you do. That uh, I have it on all the time because that's just where it's where the, the the nutty stuff comes from. Now, of course, that wasn't enough. You know, we we got to scare everybody. You're probably responsible for half their ratings. <laughs> You're right. No, but I don't do Pierce Moron anymore. At least you got to give me that. NBC. Um, and I, I picked this up. One of my our friends yesterday said, "Oh, I I totally believe this guy. What's his name? Russ Engel, Ronald, Dog Boy, something." Visitors to Russia can expect to be hacked, and as Richard Engel found out upon his arrival there, it's not a matter of if, but when. Richard, good evening. 
Good evening, Brian. It is not just hacking. The State Department warns that travelers should have no expectation of privacy, even in their hotel rooms. And as we found out, you are especially exposed as soon as you try and communicate with anything. Now, this makes me chuckle. Uh, because you could just say this was for America. Where there's no expectation of privacy here either. Yeah, no, I know. I think that's the in, irony of these reports. Yeah, especially not in a hotel room. Uh, and and so so this goes on for uh, for a little bit, and I can just see the meeting now. Uh, okay, yeah, uh, and I don't watch sports channels uh, because I just don't. But I can see like the meetings. Like, uh, listen, we re we really got to ratchet up this uh, this anti-Russian thing. But you know, we're getting close to the games now. We got the real sports happening. Uh, I'm thinking that uh, we got to do something for the sports guys. Guys don't want to hear about gays. They're not interested in the gay thing. They just want to hear about gays. We can't do the and the Russia hates gays. What are we going to do? I know. They're killing dogs. Yeah. That's a good one. Everybody loves dogs. We can't just, oh, yeah. Now, I was unaware that Keith Olbermann, uh, so he moved to ESPN2, I believe. Is this correct? He went back to ESPN. That's where he started. Right. But this is after he was on MSNBC, and then he was on Current, uh, Current TV, and then I don't even remember what happened. But then he so and he shows up he, sometimes on. Well, it, it, Current TV thing was a fiasco because it was a cheap production. Right. He didn't like it, and he just right. walked off. Right, basically. right. Whatever his problem was, and he shows up on Bill Maher from time to time. But now on ESPN two, and the, and our uh, our new night uh, sent me a link to this clip, and I, I I'm just going to play it until you say you can't take it anymore. I, I, w have you ever seen his show on ESPN two? Oh yeah, I've seen it a number of times. Uh, what happened? Is he have they drugged him? What what has happened to him? What 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 are you asking about? I don't know what you mean. Well, you tell me that this is a if this is normal for Keith Olbermann, then okay this. So he, someone said, dude, here's the memo. We have to make people hate Russia because they're killing dogs. So we start tonight at Madison Square Garden, where at this hour, preparations are already underway for the 138th Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. For 48 hours starting Monday, 2,845 dogs will be paraded, judged, picked up so people can examine their private parts, petted, hugged, nuzzled, kissed, shampooed, dried, and set. And loved. Only this year, at exactly the same time, 4,600 miles away, they're holding another sporting event whose participants, sponsors, and viewers are enabling its organizers to take dogs and hunt and kill them. <laughs> hunt and kill them, reportedly shoot them with poison darts or leave poisoned meat for them. Hunt and kill them, though the Russian government promised not to. <laughs> hunt, I think we get the message. Hunt and kill them. Hunt and kill them for Again. profit. Hunt and kill them for national pride. The other event is, of course, the 2014 Winter Olympics. Now, is this typical for him on ESPN2? Is this his shtick? Yeah. This smiling dog to my right is not from the dog show. He's from Sochi, Russia. And he's probably dead now. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is genius. This is, this is only the beginning, John. This is only the beginning. I sat through this last night. I, I'm falling on the floor. So you're I missing out on this on some great material. That's what oh, they said earlier oh, in the show. Oh, listen, let's see this again. He's probably the dog that, that over his shoulder is probably dead. Its organizers, he's dead. To take dogs and hunt and kill them. He's dead. 
hunt and kill them, reportedly shoot them with poison darts I'm or sorry. leave poison back meat a for them. Too far. It's too hunt funny. and kill them, though the Russian government promised not to. Hunt and kill them for profit. Hunt and kill them for national pride. The other event national is, of course, the pride. <laughs> it gets better. 2014 Winter Olympics. This smiling dog to my right is not from the dog show. He's from Sochi, Russia, and he's probably dead now. I touched on this last night. The area does have what you and I would consider an enormous number of stray dogs. North American journalists have been tweeting photos of them, commenting not just on their unexpected friendliness, but also about how many of them look not like feral dogs. Ah but like abandoned pets. Ah, they're not just, and they're pets, John. They're not just feral Those dogs. Those damn they're... Russians. <laughs> they get a pet dog and then they just kill kick them out of the house. Hunt and kill them. So the city of Sochi has a standing contract with a pest control company uh. to kill 300 dogs a month more <laughs> during the Olympics. Oh. The company is called Basia Services. It is run by an Alexei Sorokin. And to horrified onlookers, he says things like, Let's call things by their real name. These dogs are biological trash. <laughs> biological trash. Bi the horror of calling dogs biological trash. From the Associated Press account, Sorokin, quote, said he was stunned last week when he attended a rehearsal for the opening ceremony and saw a stray dog walking in on the performers. Now listen to this. Now, now listen to this, because this is a hint. Sniper him. <laughs> I think it's a hint. A dog ran into the Fisch Stadium. We took it away, he said. God forbid something like this happens at the actual opening ceremony. This will be a disgrace for the whole country. Ah, uh, prediction, Red Book. Put it in. Opening ceremony. Dog. Dog. <laughs> dog. Dog That's on the field. Snipered. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? It won't be a sniper, but there'll be a dog, that, <laughs> and it'll be some, the Americans, by the way, our State Department. We'll put the dog in there. We'll put the dog. We'll bring the, sneak the dog on the field. <laughs> if only it could be Bo. Or just throw the White House dog out there. I think it, it'll, and someone will either kick the dog. This is going to be an international incident. And And by the way, is it is the audience of ESPN too? Do they really need this kind of of indoctrination and propaganda? Are, are these people so brain dead that they sit there and watch this guy do this? And you have to ask that question. <sighs> the irony of his own this words is, is high lost entertainment. On oh, this, is, this is fabulous, Mr. Sorokin, and on President Putin. And by the way, this whole thing. This whole this controversy that is everywhere about oh they're killing the dogs. It's based on a, a, a contract for, to get rid of 300 dogs that are running around the stadium and are annoying. That's what all, this whole thing is based on. What a news event today ignored the issue. Ignored what the issue. Is the disgrace? Who disgrace. are the biological trash? <laughs> Mr. Sorokin also told ABC News that Sochi has, quote, an epidemic of rabies. Oh. If that is correct, of course, the issue of dealing with the stray dogs is irrelevant because if Sochi has a rabies epidemic, the spectators and athletes and journalists need to be evacuated from the area immediately and the Olympics <laughs> must be canceled tonight. <laughs> he's, but he's serious, John. Do you think he writes this himself? Yeah, he writes most of his own material, is my understanding. Does he know that this is comedy? Well, he is a comedian in some ways, so probably. Oh my! God. I don't. I think he's serious, dead serious about this. Do you want to hear I don't more? Think he's I mean, thinking of it, this is going to get a big laugh. Do you want to hear more? Yeah, this is great. Because if that is true, not only does Mr. Sorokin kill dogs with poisoned meat and darts <laughs> instead of capturing them and spaying and neutering them, oh, but he's not even good at it. 
This may be because Sorokin and his other dog killers have competition. Oh. This is video from the Boston Globe website from their superb story on all this by reporter David Filipov. The woman is Dr. Vlada Provotorova. She is a dentist, and she and a few friends have started an ad hoc Sochi dog rescue mission. And by the way, these girls, hot. Hot, hot, hot girls and they, with dogs. Hot girls with dogs. In this ramshackle Perfect. kennel near a swamp, there are 14 dogs. And again, these look like abandoned pets again, or their offspring. Abandoned Dr. pets. Dr. Provotorova, who should have a statue built in her honor. <laughs> For saving the dogs. A st we can't even get a podcast award. She's getting a statue in her honor? Says so she and her group have rescued, sterilized, found homes for as many as 100 of the dogs. But her estimate is that Sorokin's men may have already killed 7,000 dogs. Okay, that's enough. Uh, it's, you, you just want to hear the wrap-up? The last 30 uh, seconds? You, you wanted me to stop it. And remember this. In the next two weeks of Olympic hype, some Americans will spend their time and their money supporting an event that enabled this carnage. But other Americans will refuse to do so. And perhaps a few Americans will calculate what they might have spent on the products advertised during the telecast of these Olympics. Olympics stained with the blood of thousands of dogs. And give some of that money. <laughs> All right. I don't want to hear the punchline. Right. It's getting ridiculous. But you, you said something very interesting. This, and by the way, this to me is like, how do you get this? Well, of course, he's got his own staff. I mean, he does what he wants on that show. Hmm. But it's like, I got an idea. <laughs> well, you know, there's, they're trying to scare people off the Sochi thing with this and that. Dog killers. Yeah, but that's the meeting I just had. But we can't do gays because the guys who watch sports are sick and they don't want to talk about gays all the time. No, but they'll talk about dogs because many of them yes, have hunting they dogs. they got dogs. Of course, it's horrible. Dog is man's best friend. It's like killing a person. Now, you said something very interesting, and we have it in the book now that we're expecting a stray dog to run out during the opening ceremony, which, of course, if that happens, will be placed by the State Department. Uh, before we get to the breaking news that we have uh, regarding the State Department... Something else happened just recently in regards to Russia, uh, which I believe is now being intertwined with the uh, homophobia, the Russia, Russia hates gays meme. And this is the so-called um, funding for NGO law. Let me just see what the exact name of it is. Have you followed this at all? A little bit, but okay. no. So the... the there's a new law in uh, in Russia that a non-governmental organization, if they receive money from, uh, you know, as as a nonprofit, they have to register as a foreign agent. Yeah, which is not all that abnormal. The problem is, it is uh, the this is the actually the Human Rights Watch. These guys are all over this. Uh, by the way, run and. Uh, right, financed the human, by right. the State Department. It's the State Department front. Yeah. Um, so here they are in the European Parliament, literally combining these two. It's a little hard to understand because everyone's got a freaking accent. But we are very concerned uh, to about the certain restrictive new laws, including the so-called foreign agent law, and the recent raids and fiscal controls performed abruptly by Russian officials on the office of several domestic and foreign NGOs and institutions. 
We will also discuss the rights of LGBTI people in the context of this new legislation passed by the Duma that forbids, I quote, the propaganda of non-traditional sexual relations amongst minors. So here's what's being said and being discussed. They're saying, just to ratchet it up one more notch, that besides hating gays, the Russians are cracking down on non-profit, non-governmental organizations who are receiving cash to help the gays. So they're making it worse. They're taking the gay money. This is now, it's, this is obscene what is happening. This is, and it's, above all, it's not true. Uh, and, and you've got people freaking out and making up, just making stuff up to an incredible degree about how, and of course, you know, everyone should be careful of America's non-governmental organizations. Those, those are exactly the, the organizations that start riots. Yeah, no, we're, we're uh, this is what we do. We've, yeah. we've got a clue about this. Yeah, this is our system. We're good at it. Yeah, we're very good at it. This is our system. This is, this is how we roll. And Russia's smart. They're like, no, we don't want that. You know, we want to make sure we know what these people are doing. And now you get <clears> the, <throat> uh, oh, there's so Which many Which is, camps. by the way, what we generally try to do in our country. Yeah, it's, if it's a Russian front, yeah, we'd like to know. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Uh, you know, so there's all of these different organizations. <clears throat> Excuse me. So principle six dot org is something you might want to look at. Principle number six dot org, um, and this is obvious. And they don't even tell you who's financing them, other than the, uh, again, American Apparel is one of their uh, one of their partners. Who's you know, this is buying. Buying order, you know, P six gear. Get your T shirt and say, and say, I, I hate Russia. I hate Russia. That's essentially what it is. And then they'll, yeah. send, <laughs> excuse me, they'll send money to the LGBT community to help them with whatever horrible thing is going on in in Russia. The New York Times points directly in um, in one of their uh, articles on the lead. I guess uh, I don't know if it's a blog or what that is. Yeah, Christine Hauser points to a video, a YouTube video made by Human Rights Watch, which is, is well done, you know, but there's, there's no context. There's no journalistic reporting here. There's no names of so-called victims. The video basically shows like six different cases of people who are, the voiceover says, this guy is gay and uh, they kicked him in the head. Uh, they, uh, the guy, See, that's never even happened in San Francisco. Yeah, or we just had people here uh, in in Austin on Sixth Street kicked while they were on the ground. Big scandal about it, it I don't, gay or not, which I don't think they were. But this happens everywhere. But the way it's put together, and this is the New York Times with just days left until the start on Friday of the Sochi Winter Olympics. Human Rights Watch released a video on Tuesday, completely edited, could be from th 20 years of, of, of material, no names, no nothing journalistic whatsoever. Human Rights Watch released a video on Tuesday that highlights the disturbing violence and discrimination that gay, lesbian, transgender, and bisexual people face in Russia. That is propaganda. It's not journalism, whatever it is. It's just not journalism. They're just saying things. And and yeah. and I understand, you know, yeah, we're pissed that we didn't get the Olympic Games and that Snowden's in Russia, but gee, people make it a little less obvious. And then something came out just before we started the show, and this is also in relation to Russia, regarding Ukraine. You want to set this clip up? 
Yeah, it turns out. Now, the, we have to think about where this clip came, came from. from. Yeah, this clip showed up mysteriously on the Internet, and there's, and there's, there's layers and layers of irony about this clip. <laughs> yeah. And I believe, and I, you could put in the red book or not, it doesn't make any difference because it's so obvious, this will be a scandal later this week. Right now, many people here will be hearing it for the first time, and you'll probably hear it again later. It, I agree. They're going to try to suppress it, of yeah, course. I agree. Well, you're going to hear it uncensored here to start with, which is good. Um, right. And let's just lay it out. We have you. This Ukraine. is Victoria Newland on the phone with the with the ambassador, American ambassador to the Ukraine, just chit chatting. And let and this. I was going to say, let's get a little background on the Ukrainian situation. The Ukrainian situation is completely, you know, it's 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 out of control. It's a uh, they're, they're trying to overthrow the government, and it's just a little even more background. We have a, I, I don't know how to put this because there's a, our one of our economic hitmen. We do have a few, but one of them who's friend of mine has been dating this woman. Who is, uh, you know, that there's this. I can't remember the name. Wow, of this. hold on a second. Up. Hold on, back up just a little bit. One so. A friend of yours is dating a woman, and he's an economic hitman, or she's... She, he's an economic hitman, and she's a spy for the State Department. <laughs> okay? Uh, would you... All right. As long she as we're hates clear. our show, by the way, and she hates us. <laughs> Hate? Yeah. Wait a minute. I, so, I would say that's probably right. Have you met her? No. Oh, okay. But so, I'll so, never meet her. She won't meet us. Wow. And it turns out... She is... Because um, we unmasked the CIA as for what they really are. That's why she hates us. No, she's not. She's in the State Department. She, you know, the State Department's got that little agency. Oh, okay. This is from all our Hillary bashing. I get it. Yeah, intelligence.gov has got the list of all these little mini yeah, agencies. Okay, I get it. I get it. And she's the one. And let me get the name of them. I had it here. I, I sent myself a note, and I can't find the note. Did you email that to yourself? How do you do I that? Did. I mailed it to myself. So we'll go to the, uh, here's the, go to intelligence.gov. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to uh, member agencies under mission, you have the, all the agencies. And this is all the, all these agencies are in a club. This is a club, literally, a collaborative club of all the top intelligence agencies. There's the Central Intelligence Agency, the Department of Energy Office of Intelligence. They have an intelligence agency. Cool. Department of Homeland Security has an intelligence agency. Mm-hmm. The Department of State, this is her, I think. I don't know this for a fact. I just... Put, this, put two and two together. There's a lot in going fact, on here, yeah. Department of State is called Intelligence and Research. It's a spy agency that the State Department runs on its own. Huh. I believe this woman works for him. She's in the Ukraine. Uh, okay. Newlands in the Ukraine. They're yeah, all over They're all there. in the Ukraine, right. Now, now, the Department of State's Intelligence and Research Operation is interesting because they're, they are actually a sort of slightly meta-intelligence group because they... Uh, they overlook all they they do a little oversight on all the other intelligence agencies to make sure that they're supporting each other the, the state department's uh, <laughs> theories about the world right which and yeah exactly and they have the official ones and then the unofficial which is human rights watch and amnesty and all these fantastic organizations which literally get funding from the state department and then there's the non-governmental organizations on the ground who just like what russia is now forbidding start start stuff and start a ruckus so so newland was phone tapped and who do you think might have done that <laughs> uh, so we, yeah 
So we, I think you probably agree with this. We assumed the Russians tapped your phone and released this thing, hoping it would go viral. I can't remember. So, I'm sorry. Play it. Okay. And, and so let's just, the players again are Ukraine in the middle. Russia wants to transit gas and everything through Ukraine into their biggest customer. And wants to keep it as a buffer state. Yep, and a buffer state for security as well, and wants to uh, supply, supply uh, their gas to their biggest customer, the European Union. The European Union w really wanted to get Ukraine in, um, you know, to obviously to fix the prices of the gas, and and you know, and of course have another country move into the euro. And the United States, I think I have a report which kind of shows what our true mission is but we're well here's victoria newland and <clears throat> clearly we're a player separate from ukraine and the eu i can't remember if i told you this or if i only told washington this that when i talked to jeff feltman this morning he had a new name for the u.n guy robert seri did i write yeah. you that this morning yeah okay. i saw that He's now gotten both seri and ban ki-moon to agree that seri could come in monday or tuesday okay so that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the U.N. help glue it and, you know, fuck the EU. <laughs> no, exactly. And I think we've got to do something to make it stick together because you can be pretty sure that if it does, if it does start to gain altitude, the Russians will be working behind the scenes to try to torpedo it. Yes. First of There's all. There's also in the, in, in the, in, in somewhere in the clip, the original clip, she goes on to say that she wants to make sure Klitschko, who is the head, essentially the the titular head of the of the uh, opposition, not to be part of this at all. Exactly. We want to put in one of our guys. So and we're already planning to put in an American stooge in this Ukrainian situation, and this is not this isn't. Uh, so the Russians obviously are t doing what they do. What we do, they tap the phone. But instead of what we do, which is keep the stuff in a big pile over there in Utah somewhere, <laughs> yeah, they, they released it. They put it on the Internet. <laughs> now, I think I, uh, I know what some of this is about. There's something that happened in Ukraine, um, which I was unaware of. And uh, here's a report from, I think this is, well, it's an English report. One of our Ukrainian listeners sent this to me. And I was surprised by this knowledge. An operating agreement on shale gas production between Ukraine and the U.S. oil and gas company Chevron may be signed in March. Therefore, Chevron will be able to actually start development of the Alaska field in western Ukraine. Apparently, there's some big shale gas in Ukraine that has been recently discovered. Oh, and Chevron, nice. then Chevron, nice. Chevron uh, gets the contract. They need to start in March. So what do you do? You call your resource extraction organization known as the State Department, who then, you know, do whatever necessary until ultimately sending in the jackals. On behalf of Chevron. Yes! Acting Energy and Co-Industry Minister Eduard Stavitsky said this on Tuesday. Chevron representatives are in Ukraine and coordinate their actions with the ministry, Stavitsky noted. Besides, according to the acting minister, an investment program of the Shell company for 2014 oh. <laughs> was approved last Shell. week. So we have Chevron, we have Shell... Hmm. I think well, it's we're going to keep with Chevron because fuck the EU. <laughs> fuck the EU. And they can you know, they can take Shell out of there. Yeah. Chevron, Chevron is what it's all We're about. working for one country, not yeah. two. Chevron. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, this is all fun. But but really, it's all about human rights, and we just want you know <laughs> we just rights. want you know if we have democratic countries with democratic leaders, the world is a better place. It's not at all about I don't know oil and gas. It's so transparent.
I, I'm, so, I'm blown away. Staying with the staying with the State Department. Are you familiar with the with the parody video? That's a big scandal. No, and I'm actually going to go with. I'm going to mention something else about our economic hitman's girlfriend. Uh oh. Um, after I I bring this out, there so there's a parody video floating around Israel, I believe. And it's got, and it's a, it's a news report. I, I only have the absolute beginning of it. Oh, I have heard about, I've, I think I saw, I, I haven't seen it, I don't know what it's about. So, go, hold on, hold on. Uh-oh. Mr. D.C. Borat. Open up the door, Jim now. <laughs> you sure you want to talk about the State Department? <laughs> State Department. So they have, where's this video on this list? I got State Department and the video, would that be it? State, that's, I think that's her, I think that's uh, uh, Pataki or whatever. What's her name? Newland? Jen. Jen Psaki. Psaki talking about it. Speaking of American slamming, robbing the prison, State Department on peace talks. Aaron knows horrid carry parody. Now, this is just the beginning okay. of, of the thing because there's no reason to watch the, or listen to the whole thing. It's mostly visual anyway. And I'll set it up. Uh, there's a, it's, a, it's a fake news report, and John Kerry is floating around the Middle East, and, he, and there's a guy who's who's like a short version of John Kerry, looks a little like him. He's got a phony wig on, and he's in a big, giant uh, Escalade with a bunch of pat. You know, oh, like, wait, no, who, who, who is this? Is this Israeli produced? Is this... We uh, don't, it's, it's sketchy. <laughs> but I think we think it's Palestinian produced or okay. maybe Israeli produced. Right. One of the two. They don't like Kerry either side. Good. Both sides in this of this debate about, uh, you know, the... They're trying to do peace talks and whatever. Oh, nobody likes Kerry. This is this and so is nobody dark. likes Kerry. So they're doing this thing. So the guy looks a little like Kerry, but he he sounds like a like a Turkish rug salesman. So you <laughs> you won't get any Kerry imitation okay. here. All right. But this is just the very beginning of it, and this was began the controversy. John Kerry landed this morning in Israel as part of his ongoing efforts to broker an agreement between Israel and the Palestinians. If not, my name is not John Kerry. John Kerry. John Kerry? Yes. I'm <laughs> John Kerry. John Kerry Solutions. Huh? Yes. Kerry began his tour at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem, perhaps the most sensitive issue in the negotiations. Providing Jerusalem is not an easy thing. We must realize that it's holy to all religions, Jews, Christians, Muslims, Buddhists, Klingons, and Hobbits. <laughs> what I'm saying is... Hobbits. Why fight over an old wall? I'll build you a brand new wall. Anyway, it goes on like that. Yeah, okay, so yeah, it's a bit parody. All right, understandable. Now, this here's is, what got. Wait, here's this is an international. Re- this is an international incident. This video. It, well, it's it's become a, an issue. Okay. Because it's it, because according to Jen, you know they're insulting. Poor Carrie, he left and right, and this is just another example of the insults being thrown at this poor bastard. Uh, this is State Department in the video. So this would be the State Department and the video, uh, the Q and A that went on about this video, and it turns out there's a little factoid in here which I want to discuss in, after. Uh, did the secretary watch the Israeli Settlers Council's uh, video ridiculing uh, his uh, Middle East peace uh, efforts? Uh, I don't believe he's watched the video. We're certainly aware of the video. Have you uh, watched it? 
I have not personally watched mm. it, no. Uh, any reaction to it? Uh, I think it, 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 it goes in with what I've already stated about attempts to mischaracterize his record, his position, uh, his positions on issues, his statements, uh, how that is uh, not an attack on him, that's an attack on the process. Uh, and, of course, uh, that kind of rhetoric we find accept unacceptable. I mean, clearly the secretary does not believe that Jerusalem is the holy city for hobbits and <laughs> Yeah, Matt. Well, I have not right. seen the video, Matt. Well, that's one of the so things perhaps, that's in there. So, you know. Perhaps, now you've sold it very well. Uh, I, will, I will watch the video. I'm making a broad point about all the different... Um, what kind of a lying sack is she? I have not seen the video. Of course she's seen the video. Well, here's the thing. I'm, you know, I thought that too. And I think that's, for, for example, if something like this hits, I would be the first one to, if I'm working in the State Department, I'd be the first one to get on that video. Exactly. I'm not absolutely sure that, I mean, it sounds like, I, I question it because the woman that I believe is part of the, uh, Yes. Oh, the, she's in the State Department. She's part of the Office yeah. of Intelligence. Mm -hmm. So the, the, her boyfriend yes. sits her down at his computer and asks her. I may never get another note from these guys. <laughs> asks her to, uh, she says, have you ever looked, uh, seen the Bradley Manning stuff? You mean like the helicopter killing people? Well, she, I don't know if she even saw that, but I'm talking about the WikiLeaks, the mm -hmm. big pile of crap. Right, right, right. The cables. Right. No. And she said no. She's and she not, well, not allowed to. ever see them? She says, well, you can't, I, I, I can't access them at the yeah, office. It's illegal. She, she, it's classified, so she's not allowed to see it, I think. Isn't that the idea? Yeah. 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 Who are they kidding with this nonsense that they can't look at this stuff? It's called compartmentalization. And it's done with very specific reasons, so no one really has the full picture. Uh, the fact that you and I have a, a pretty decent picture makes no difference. We're expendable. I, I can get two to the head in five seconds if I'm annoying enough. Uh, so it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's not important. Yeah, it's true. If you want to look at it from that perspective. Yeah, I th I th but there's plenty. Of, you're not the only one that's, that has a broad perspective. There's plenty of people that have much better perspective than we have and have worked in the government and maybe are are not security cleared, but they've mm -hmm. seen enough and they've heard enough and people gossip. I also think that people are very afraid. I, I believe that the a lot of the people that I've met in the D.C. area, uh, certainly during our first Hot Pockets tour, uh, who have clearance, certain clearances, uh, they don't want to risk it. They don't want to risk their job. They want to risk anything by looking at something that may not be cleared be for them, for their level, because they know that it's being checked. And yeah, of course, there's people who 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 have a lot of the the whole picture. But I think those those people are, are podcasters. I don't think I don't think the government actually allows this to happen. I really don't. It's called compartmentalization. It happens all the time, so no one within government can really put it all together. Yeah, I guess you can walk around as a cog in the wheel, just lockstep and not caring that there's you know you're being fed crap. It, well, people like their jobs, they like their houses, they like their lives. They're being told by the television what to do, and well, and they do it. Yeah, exactly. So I, I'm of the opinion that it's quite possible that she hasn't seen the video. Uh, 
And she and she makes because the way she answered the question, she says, "Well, this is just another example of mischaracterization, which is not a, has nothing to do with Carrie, but it's the process and blah blah blah." That's if she saw the video, like like Matt, yeah, but but had this seen is, it, no, okay, she would have known it's just ridiculous, and she would have said, "Eh." Yeah, I saw it. It's ridiculous. Now, she could have been forbidden from seeing it, which is, like, really creepy. Here's what I don't understand. Uh, So parodies are done all the time in this country, everywhere around the world. Why, all of a sudden, is this parody such a big deal? It's not like the Knesset produced the video themselves. This is just this is more this is this is psychological warfare, and we're falling for it. and, And Matt clearly is a part of it. Why else would he break? This is not a big deal. Well, it wasn't his question. It was somebody else's matches threw in the, the kicker, wondering why she was not, why she didn't see it. Okay. And so it, it sounded like an Israeli guy who brought it up. Yeah, it did. Right? Uh, it was a, well, this is, this, they don't like Carrie and they're trying to stir up trouble. Yeah. Exactly. And the Israelis can stir up as much trouble as the Russians. Big time. They, oh, they're yeah, not going to be dropping time. phone oh, taps. By the, the way, uh, this just in. And I think this is the right move. Billie Jean King, no longer part of the Olympic delegation. Oh, good for her. Yeah. She's, I know exactly. She's, I, I, I'm, I think she's great. She's like, oh, no, my mom is sick, whatever. Exactly. You do not want any part of this Billie Jean King. You do not want any part of this farce. Uh... Yeah, it's it, well. This Russia, this is getting ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. This Russian crap and the American crap at, at the they're throwing all this junk at the Russians to screw up the Olympics is one thing. Leaking, you know, private conversations, uh, which again, no one on the State Department will probably get to listen to. Uh, and, but and I think it's going to cost Newland her job. Do you think that this will be picked up, or do you think it will be completely uh, ignored by the media? I think it's going to have to be picked up because it's one of those things. Once it gets tweeted mm-hmm. by the No Agenda Show or whoever, <laughs> yeah, it's out. I mean, this well, is going to be yeah, people this... are going to start asking why isn't somebody saying something about this? Well, I don't this? know. What, I, mean, I think you know who's going to bring it up, Matt, your buddy <laughs> Nigel. Oh, Farage, yes. Well, if Nigel brings it up. It's all over. Well, let me ask you Newland's this. Newland's out. Why have we still not seen a single clip or quote or anything from the German Snowden interview? This is th- 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 somewhere a memo it's went out. It's creepy at this point. I'm sorry? I said it's creepy at this point. It, it, it's extremely creepy. Not a single news organization can justify not... Pointing to it, talking about it, quoting anything from it, that's just, it's not acceptable. No, it's not. I'm getting the sense that all these people are read in, they've signed security agreements, and they're not going to say anything because they're not allowed to. I think that's where right. the media is right now. I, I, I agree with you. That's exactly where it is. We, we are the only bastions of freedom. It's pretty close to that. I mean, we could have the knock on the door, and it would be the, the guy would come in not to shoot you. Oh, to give me come in and say, here, you're signing points. this. You are signing this now. You're going to get secu- security level Z, yeah. which is at the bottom, but you now you can't talk about any of this stuff. 
what would happen? That would that that it that would actually, ruin the show that, is what yeah, would happen. That actually scares me more than anything. I'm I'm less worried of getting two to the head than getting the NSL. If you get the letter, then it's all over. Then I have no vocation. There may be, and there, and we don't know what NSLs there are that are out there. There may be NSLs we've never heard of mm. that do exactly what I just described, which shuts you up yeah. as a member of the media, or otherwise just throw you in jail. Yeah, uh, somehow I, I still don't think that we're important enough. I, I just don't see it. No, I don't think right. so either. Quick little, I think, we're, I think a lot of people in government listen to us, and they go, "That's pretty good." Yeah, yeah, they're wrong, <laughs> yeah. wrong, wrong. No, it's like that's pretty good. Uh, hey, want to go out to lunch? I don't care. <laughs> that's pretty good. So what? Yeah. No, I mean the Newland thing has now. If the Newland thing, now I, I agree about that. It's very disconcerting that the. Uh, there's two things disconcerting about this Snowden interview. One is that it's not gotten any play in the USA by any media outlets. It's gone by, you know, people like us. Mm -hmm. A, and B, where's the other six hours of it? How come that hasn't been leaked out? Oh, yeah, no, there's, and it's, it's, it's very edited. Very, it's very extremely, edited. yeah, tightly edited. But it was also, the questions are even in English. I mean, how, how international do you want it to be? You know, now, uh, there's something that came up, um, um, and this goes back to Rogers, but it's part of the the snow job thing. Uh, as this move to moves towards the obvious media shield law uh, in violation of uh, the American Constitution, this is Rogers baiting, literally baiting Comey. Now Comey is very; he's the new director of the FBI. Uh, he's new kid on the block. He's very, very good. I mean, he's a banker. Um, he was on the board of directors of HSBC. You know, he's a part of the big hedge funds. Yeah, he's uh, the right guy. He's the right guy to have because the FBI, of course, helps launder the money. And he's on the in a congressional hearing that you know this is just one of the little bits of it. And Rogers is making a very, very interesting argument for theft of documents and how and the difference between theft of documents and fencing stolen property and freedom of the press, which I, I got to hand it to Comey. He's not really taking the bait, but he is setting the debate up. There have been discussions about uh, selling of access to this material uh, to both newspaper outlets and other places. Uh, Mr. Comey, to best of your knowledge, is fencing stolen material, is that a crime? Uh, yes, it is. And it would be the selling the access of classified material that is stolen from the United States government. Is, would that be a crime? It would be. Uh, it, it, it's an issue that can be complicated if it involves a news gathering, a news promulgation function. But in general, uh, fencing or selling stolen property is a crime. So if I'm a newspaper reporter for fill in the blank and I sell stolen material, is that legal because I'm a newspaper reporter? Right. If you're a newspaper reporter and you're hawking stolen jewelry, it's still a crime. And if I'm hawking stolen classified material that I'm not legally in the possession <laughs> yeah. of for uh, personal gain and profit, is that not a crime? I think that's a harder question because it involves a news gathering function, could have First Amendment implications. That's something that probably uh, you think? be better answered by the Department of Justice. So entering into a commercial enterprise to sell, sell stolen hey, hey, material stop. is... I have to back it up a little bit. Did you... Were you kibitzing and you said you think, or did was that no, Rogers? I, I, no, I'm sorry. I said that. I said that. That was okay. me. Yeah. I thought it was Rogers. Uh, <laughs> I'm working on my Rogers impersonation. Okay. Well, yeah. you confused Sorry me, about so. that. Sorry about that. But he he might as well have said it. Amendment implications. That's something that probably uh, be better answered by the Department of Justice. So entering into a commercial enterprise to sell, sell stolen material is...
acceptable to a legitimate news organization? I'm not sure I'm able to answer that question in the abstract. Something we ought to think about, is it not? By the way, that that's a keeper. I'm not sure I'm able to answer that question in the abstract. Yeah, that's that's a pro. That's a that's a that is a that's a lawyer banker dude right there. That is a pro. You, this reminds so, me of John Dean during the Nixon uh, impeachment, where it, and I always tell people this. I used to when I was at the air pollution district, I had to give a lot of testimony, and we learned a lot of these tricks. <laughs> this is a good one. And that's a good one. I never heard that one before. But the, my favorite one, which is what John Dean used to just do constantly, is that he'd preface every answer with, I'm not sure I fully understand yeah, the, the question, question, but. Right. But this is And good. then you're off the hook. For I don't think I can answer that question in the abstract. I mean, yeah, that's, that's so, it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful. Thank you. I'm keeping this for the rest of my life. I'm not sure I'm able to answer that question in the abstract. Beautiful. <laughs> Something we ought to think about, is it not? Oh, yeah. Certainly. And so if there are accomplices in purveying stolen information, shouldn't we be concerned about that? We should be concerned about all the facts surrounding the theft of classified information and its promulgation. Now, here he's about, now Rogers is about to say something very interesting. All these guys uh, went to the big security conference in, I think it's Munich? It's every year, every other year, and, this, and everybody goes, all the intelligence, all the spooks are in Germany. Hmm. And... Interesting, over the, again, the Munich conference where we had individuals tell us that, in fact, there are individuals who are, who are saying to be in possession of this information who are eager to sell this information to other news organizations. Poitras, Applebaum. Would that be a legitimate exercise on behalf of a reporter? That's a question now you're getting from the general to the particular. I don't want to talk about the case in particular because it's case. an active investigation of ours. Aha. It's an active investigation for accomplices brokering and stolen information? We are looking at the totality of the circumstances around the, the theft and promulgation. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. It's a coming. So this is going to define what when you are a journalist, who is a journalist, and when you are hawking stolen information. The setup is beautiful. Yeah, well, they're out to get G Glenn Greenwald for uh, sure. I don't know if they're out to get him. I don't. I'm not so sure. They need him. He. I think no. Greenwald is going to get the license. Greenwald will be licensed, but uh, they're gonna they're gonna have to screw yeah. someone. I hope it's Applebaum. Oh God, I hope they take I'm him. I'm not throw sure him. that I think I think they're I, no. You really think that they're gonna nail Greenwald? I think they want to. Because if you listen to enough of these hearings, they're always bitching about this. Well, they're talking whole about the thing. And then Greenwald, and Greenwald's the one that, that was listed in Stratfor as a guy you got to get. Mm, okay. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, it, it doesn't really matter. There's still the assault is still on to determine who is who is allowed to report and who is right. not allowed to report. That's essentially where it's going to where it's going to yeah, go. Yeah, well, that's the long term. That's yeah. the long game. But let's make a few examples out of some guys while we're at it. Yeah, how about you some? want to steal this stuff? Fine. <laughs> how about those podcasters? <laughs> podcasters. We don't know anything. All we do is analyze. I, I saw that uh, <clears throat> there's a new podcast network called Radiotopia, <clears throat> and they are being financed by the Knight Foundation, starting off with two hundred thousand dollars. This is, you know, how come they don't sponsor us? 
for good reason. <laughs> yeah. PRX, the online marketplace for public media. This is all just, they're sponsoring people that will do their bidding. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the new entrant, the new hire at First Look Media, uh, Pierre... Uh, Omidar? Drive My Car. And Graham Greenwell. The new guy, the new guy. Any idea, the new guy? You're going to love no, it. No, who? Andy Carvin. Oh, wow. You could have put that in the Red Book. We should have predicted that. We should have done that. I didn't. Apparently, he took the buyout from NPR. I didn't even know that. Uh, they had to cut staff, and so they, gave, they offered him a buyout, and he took it. So he took the buyout, and he took the new job at uh, the, the Baby You Can Drive My Car's place. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's a catch. Yeah. No, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be very interesting. I, this is, it, it's probably, it's almost like a honeypot for douchebags. <laughs> just blow that thing up eventually. Just get rid of everybody. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh, yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. Whoa. 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 What happened? I don't know. <laughs> so we have a note from somebody before I get to my names they're, here. They're getting close. Just wanted to pass along an observation about native advertising. This anonymous uh, producer says, the two of you seem to be so against it as I am, but I find it interesting how you two manage to insert into every show or so it seems, I think it was mentioned once in seven years, comments promoting the Amazon Kindle. Yeah. This was a really... This was really bad a few episodes ago when John went on and on about how great it is to read books on the new Kindle Paperwhite. So, just what is Amazon going to to exchange for all this? Free shipping on your mac and cheese? I have free shipping anyway. I'm a member of Amazon Prime. Um, now, I, I sent a note. You sent a note. You just told uh, me. No, I, no, I, yeah, I didn't say that. I said... I, I said this is because he said it's not. An, I said not an observation. It's an insult, and I tell, and I, I'm offended by it. Yeah, you were offended, but I, the way I said, I just want to say something about this because the fact that we don't have advertisers and the fact that we're not doing native advertising, we're not taking any money from anybody like that, allows us to say what we think. Yeah. And I like the Kindle Paperwhite, and I can honestly say it. I'm not sponsored by Nook. That may, would tell me not to say this, and I'm not sponsored by Amazon. That would tell me to pump it more, or, or to put down, a, or to give a model number, or who knows what they do. Or even Audible, who would be against the whole idea of reading in general, especially on the Amazon uh, Kindles, <laughs> yeah. which have a little button you can push it or read the book for yeah. you. Yeah. So anyway, the, the the freedom of being able to say what I want about all these products, and I don't do it that often, but once in a while I do like a product, and this one is one of them. Uh, is is the reason that this model works so well. And I want to remind people that, of that. And it's really shameful that somebody would think the opposite. As though because Even as a joke. Even as a joke. Sorry? Even as a joke, it's not. It's Even as a joke. Because yeah. if, if we're completely sponsored by individuals, are we not supposed to talk about any product in a product-oriented universe? Is that what you're saying? So we can't mention anything? Oh, gee, I got my car. What kind of car you drive? I can't say because, because they're not giving me money, so I can't talk about it. It just really 
I found the whole thing to be uh, yeah, the, that, that sort of attitude. By the way, that's not the first guy that brought this this stuff up about native advertising. That oh, you plugged you plugged the guy's website when he when he gave you a donation of a hundred dollars. That kind of guy. Yep. Get but, a clue, people. But that's not exactly how he sounds. You're not doing that part right. I'm sorry. No, you're not doing the guy right. Oh no, you have the guy's voice <laughs> down. Oh, I see you plugging the guy's website. You don't. You said you do take advertising. <laughs> That's the guy. That's the guy. Yeah, your voice is a little better for that. Yeah. <laughs> but we have a few people to thank. James Rockell in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada. One, two, three, four, five. Uh, just says that he wants some karma at the end. We'll give him Happy and everybody else some karma yeah. late. Uh, Matthew Lay in London, UK. One hundred eleven dollars eleven cents. Looking to make a second donation in more ways than one. First, we received some brand karma as our drummer and lead guitar. Oh, lead guitarists are currently not on good terms. Oh, this is bad. This is bad. I we can try. Band karma is hard. No, no, the band karma doesn't work. Wait a minute. Hold on. Secondly, I want to add a little incentive to keep the rain stick alive and well. We have to use it in a minute. You make my sleazy call out to Rayma, the woman who, okay, we'll put him on. She's on the list. We'll call out Rayma the next time we do the dance. Now, now, I'm a little, I'm not sure what to do here because there are con conflicting uh, reports about the rain stick. I mean, I get emails from people who are begging us to stop. Well, I need, we need the rain here. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think I had my rain stick pointed the wrong way. So I think that would, that's what happened, that it showed up in other spots. Uh, we'll do it after the show. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, I don't know about the band. What are you going to do? You want to... Yeah, let's give it a shot. See if we can get some band karma going. You've got karma. You never know. And at the end, we'll do some job karma with the job yeah, For thing. everybody, yeah. Because there's a lot of requests for that. David Rosa in Clarkston, Michigan, $111.11. What band is this, Is Matthew in? I have you know? no idea. Since I'm coming in rather low, we have a lot of band guys that listen to the show. Since I'm coming in rather low on the donation, I doubt this will get read. Are okay, you going to read every, Don't read everything. It's, it's, uh... Uh, and I'm just looking for the name. Is there Tony, a girl's name? Tony. Tony. Okay, Tony's coming up, but not today. Michael Bramble in Taylorsville, Utah. Uh, he's got a uh, nobody coming in. He's, okay. He does have a one eleven eleven. He's making it rain. Just uh, didn't put anybody on the list. Yeah, maybe you should, Michael. Send us yeah, an email. Send us an email. Yeah, Mike or Nikolachuk in Saskatoon, the Paris of uh, Canada, one hundred eleven eleven cents. And is there? Uh, yes, girl? his exes Lisa and Amy to the stage. Uh, Branch <clears> people. Yeah. No, it's okay. Kristen Zachman, Las Wages, Nevada, seventy seven seventy seven. Paul Webb. $75 in Twi Twickenham. We got some UK people this week, this show mm -hmm. for some reason. In mm -hmm. <clears throat> Because it's horrible weather, it's raining, and everyone's indoors listening to the show. I got to play the report from Ireland. They're going to have like this huge yeah, storm. I, I guess know, it's pounding these people. 69, 69, dudes. We have a lot of 69ers today, including Brian Brown in Orange, California, Chad Biderman, Biederman in Round Lake, Illinois, Timothy Nussie. In Whitby, Ontario, Edward Hines in Jacksonville, Florida, Thomas Butter Butterick, Butterick. Uh, Semperfy in Flushing, Michigan, and then that's would close. Uh, you the you missed uh, for some I don't know how you missed John Haller there from uh, Missoula. 
Oh, I did miss John Hallery's at the top. It's from Missoula, Montana. There we go. 69, 69, dudes. That's right. 6969dudes.com. And that is your Swazilnoff karma. Should get you laid. Ben Blessing, $69 flat. Russell Rhodes, 6789, Tallahassee, Florida. Gabe Shabazian. I like that. I like that. I like 6789. That's also a nice donation number. 6789. Yes, yeah, not cool. bad. I like it. 6789. It must mean something. <clears throat> 6666, Irvine, California from Gabe. Sergeant Fred, Austin, Texas, your yeah, buddy. I, I have a note. I have a note. I, 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 I met with, yeah, I met with Sergeant Fred. He always gives us a cash donation. Uh, Sergeant Fred uh, is a Vietnam veteran, um, and uh, the, he lives around here, and he's a great guy. He's always doing everything for the show. Uh, I want to read his note. Adam, in the morning, uh, getting great value from the best podcast in the universe. Thank you for your courage. How about some karma for those underpaid, overworked, and stressed out combat infantrymen and the airborne rangers that we're that are always in harm's way but forgotten by the douchebag elites and legislators? Uh, thanks for all your quality work. Also, how about an F cancer for all of the complications from Agent Orange to our Vietnam veterans? And I tell you, if you ever have a chance, you should you should have, grab a beer with a, a veteran. A Vietnam veteran is even better if you can get one of those. If they're not dead yet, <laughs> get one of those. And let me tell you, you know, here comes one. You 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 want to you want to seriously have your life altered and have your brain changed. You, when they really start to talk, that and it'll make you think a little different about uh, about the football games. So anyway, uh, thank you very much, Sergeant Fred. Double nickels on the dime, and I will hand out the karma as requested to you and all others. You got karma. There you go. Todd R- Rathcamp in R- Ripon, Wisconsin, fifty-five. Robert Le- Love, uh, Orlando, Florida, fifty-two. And now these are all $50 donations. We'll wrap it up with Corey Bennett in Antioch, California. Christopher Walker, uh, 50. Dominic Doran in Atlanta, Georgia. Matthew Janiszewski in Chicago. Chicago. Patrick Macom, Macom in Mount Vernon, New York. Dan Gre- Greb in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. Brett Farrell, a regular on... Uh, in Oklahoma City, we'll wrap it up for uh, the donations for show five, eight, nine. Eleven shows to go. We'll be at show six hundred. Are we doing a special six hundred club? Are we? Uh, is there something? Yeah, I was in the news. You don't read the newsletter. Yeah, I forgot. I was. So yeah, we're doing blown. a six hundred club. Yeah, a celebration club. You get a double producer credit. You get the credit when you give this when you donate six hundred. It also goes to knighthood, of course. And then you get a second credit on show six hundred. So you get two things you can put in your IMDb. Nice. And, of course, you get to celebrate 600 episodes of the best podcast in the universe. And please think about us and what we're doing for your Sunday show. The Sundays, for some reason, I don't know if it's the time of year, if it's... Uh, I don't know what it is. I have no idea what's going on. But Sundays have been hard for us. <clears throat> and I don't like the yo-yo lifestyle, if you know what I mean. So please go to... Dvorak.org slash N-A... Joseph Gaze uh, celebrates on the 8th, two days from now, and we say happy birthday to him. Eric Brown says happy birthday to his twins, Naomi and Noah. Uh, they turn six tomorrow. And Russell Rhodes says happy birthday to his son, Bikram. 
turns four on February 8th. Hope you're recording this. Happy birthday for everybody's here at the best podcast in the universe. And then we have uh, two nightings, one nighting and a daming, which is always nice. So if you can uh, just uh, grab your sword. Yeah, here. Very good. To the stage, please. Becky Bressler. Oh, I'm sorry. It's a different segment. <laughs> to the round table, Becky Bressler and Joseph Gaze. <laughs> Both of you have uh, supported the No Agenda show in the amount of $1,000 or more, and therefore we are very proud to welcome you to the round table of the Knights and the Dames, and hereby pronounce these, sir, Joseph Gaze and Dame Becky Bressler. Knight and Dame of the No Agenda round table for you. We've got Hookers and Blow, Rent Boys and Chardonnay, Three Geishas, a bucket of chick fried chicken, Cuban cigars, and single malt scotch. Cannabis and Cabernet, vodka and vanilla, bong hits and bourbon, or maybe just some mutton and mead, and go to noagendanation.com slash rings, uh, pick them up, and of course, uh, Becky, you received that from your wonderful night, so now both of you can uh, take a seat at the table, and uh, you can hit each other in the mouth, you can do, you can gang up on people, and do mouth hittings. It's beautiful when it's in the family, I, I really appreciate that. Um... Okay, I've been tracking Euroland a little bit. Uh, as we, of course, the reason to track it is we have a big uh, the European uh, the, the elections coming up in a couple months. A lot of different things are happening, and a deal has finally been reached. And this is uh, what I was most interested in on the uh, the bail-in of the banks. Now you recall that this was uh, tested in Cyprus. Was it Cyprus? Yeah, it was Cyprus. Uh, and now the, uh, the European Parliament and uh, Council Presidency negotiators reached an agreement uh, yesterday on the Bank Recovery and Resolution Directive. And the idea is that this will be the bail-in principle instead of bail-out principle. So the first people who would get screwed by uh, due to a bank failure would be shareholders and creditors before the public... Uh, uses tax money, which has been the case for the past, oh, what is it now, five, six years? Particularly in the Netherlands, I might point out. Uh, here's the, the rub. This does not go into effect until January 2016. And a lot could happen before then. As it turns out, only six banks in the EU have almost $2 trillion worth of exposure in the emerging markets, total value is $3.4 trillion. This, of course, is the uh, Argentina, Turkey. What other countries do we have that are screwed up? I mean, uh, didn't Argentina, uh, Venezuela this, this is out as completely... I think Venezuela is a, got a huge problem. There's no, this, like, it's just coming apart. It's like a basket case. Yeah, well, it was poorly managed. Uh, and so these banks have all these, have loaned all this money to these emerging markets... And I, I presume the only the only thing for them to do now is to inflate their money in order to print more to pay it back. But you know, I think this is why we're seeing all kinds of... It's not just the Fed's $10 billion less tapering. I think that there's a real problem with the European banks. Have you and um, Horowitz had any discussions about this? No. I'd be very curious to hear what he has to say. All right. Um, and I think that you know this bail-in directive is a great idea, but it's just kind of covering up because it won't go in into effect until 2016, I think we could see some real problems with the big European banks in the next year, even. 
Well, they're pretty good at juggling. <laughs> if you can only juggle so much until it just ends. Well, they obviously can juggle to 2016 or they wouldn't have gone for this. No, That's well, the way I see no, it. No, I see exactly the opposite. They pushed it off to, to, to 2016 because it's going to happen before then, which means it'll be taxpayers' money. That's what I'm thinking. Oh, well, that's, that's a good logic. I like it. Yeah, stick to taxpayers. Yeah. Well, the European taxpayers are screwed. There's no doubt about it. And there's all this crap going on. Can you play a little clip? This just this crazy clip from Ireland. Uh, from I I don't know. I shouldn't be watching. This is Irish news. It's actually Irish news. Okay. But the 14 inches of rain. Yeah. Next to their property. Since early morning, Cork City has been preparing for what is expected to be the worst flood in many years. There is a lot of apprehension. We've all come in with welly boots now this morning. Preparation for this evening because yesterday morning was absolutely horrific and the water was very, very high. I don't think any of us experienced the height of the water. And the memory of yesterday's floods were still vivid. Rose Cronin is just one trader that got hit and she only opened her business before Christmas. We're expecting water to come into about 12 or 14 inches tonight. That's what the expectation is. So I've got to clear all my stock now. Every shelf. Yeah, this is not so good. 14 inches? Yeah, that's a, <laughs> that's, that is a lot, that's of, a lot rain. of rain. That's, that's a like lot of rain. South American style, you know, rainforest stuff. Yeah, well, there's all kinds of stuff happening in the in UK. There's train tracks washing out. and Yeah, there's it's, corn it's walls being washed away. It's a, hold on a second. It's a mess. Hey. <laughs> there you go, Ireland. <laughs> uh, from the Hillary you know no one's by the way I don't believe anyone's ever used the effects of a rain stick on a podcast or a broadcast that, so it's just not localized in other words we're not just the noise is not just a local noise you know this magical noise it's actually being showing up everywhere it may be a, maybe a dangerous thing to do we should probably stop we should consult the manual perhaps well, I don't. I didn't get a manual of mine <laughs> uh, from the Hillary 2016 department. Never ceases to amaze. Uh, first of all, someone put a "I'm ready for Hillary" bumper sticker in my mailbox. All right, I'm looking at you, Armando. I bet you. I think it was the mailman. I think he's playing a joke on me. Like, yeah, no, I'm sure he is. <laughs> that was funny. But I said one to Mimi. <laughs> Have you followed this Tom Sizemore, Elizabeth Hurley, Bill Clinton story? No. Oh, this is great. So this actor, I've never heard of him, Tom Sizemore. Yeah, he's famous. He is? Yeah. Oh, well, so he, there's a tape of him. The tape is not, it's, I mean, it's all transcribed and I didn't want to get anything. It's not worth a clip. But he essentially is talking about how he introduced Elizabeth Hurley to Bill Clinton and how Bill Clinton, like, pushed him into a corner and said... You know, give me her number. I'm the I'm the commander in chief. I'm going to fucking kill you if you don't give me. This her was number. when he was president. Yes, and uh, and and the, uh, so he, he they sent a plane for Hurley, and she got on the plane within an hour, flew down the White House, and was there for four days. And Bill was just ravishing that the crap out of her for four days. And it's and you know now Sizemore is taking it all back and it's but it's it's really oh yeah sure with a gun to his head yeah but it's hilarious I love this it makes so much sense and you see pictures of Elizabeth Hurley and Bill Clinton I'm like yeah he's totally doing her it's just it's everything well, he, is coming Kennedy up. was one of his heroes 
they're doing anything they can to. It's just it's all starting now. It's going to be. This fun. is all part of this is campaigning. Of yes, course. of course it is. It's all. It's going to be. Somebody great. has to. There's, there are people that would like to get that job and may not like Hillary getting the job, and so the best way to get at Hillary is to you know is to embarrass her because she's obviously. She's this makes her look like well she can't even keep track of her own household yeah, what's going on exactly and why could she be president she can't even tell that her her old man is screwing Elizabeth Hurley it's not as though she's Elizabeth Hurley's not unrecognizable or is the maid so that's that's the that's what the point of it is obviously yeah. I, I fear for Bill so they're going to have to kill him yes yeah, like, that's what I was thinking like I fear for Bill this is not good for his health. Well, we predicted as she's going to kill him for votes eventually, but it may be soon. You may win because your bet was it's going to be before the election. Like, no, I was before the election. You were I thought you were like this you, year it was you, like in the next six months. Yeah. You may you might want to pull the red book predictions because now I'm uncertain what the timing was. I'll dig it up. But, Whatever the case, I will. It's in the other. I know where I can find that one. Now, and, uh, but I can. It's, it's just. Yeah. Bill is in trouble. He's, he needs to. Lay very low for a while. Elizabeth Hurley? <laughs> that tramp? And she, well, she is, let's be honest. I, I, I think, you know, she, she's always been looking for the guy that would take care of her. The way I, this is my own, I have no idea, I don't know. It's my perception, and it's bad of me to think this, but I've always felt that she would go it's for... Bad. Any guy that would take care of her so she could do a role here and then. She, isn't she married to that Indian guy? Didn't she settle for an Indian guy at the end? I don't know. That's a good question. Some Probably some rich guy. First it was, you know, it was Let's Hugh. Let's look her up on the Book of Knowledge. <laughs> oh, please. No, I think she got married to some Indian guy. You're going to find out. Can't be suppositioning. Mm. Elizabeth Hurley. Tom, Tom Sizemore blames Hurley. Okay, I got that part. Yeah. He's pretty. Really she's Bill she's beautiful. She's very sexy. Yeah, she's a good-looking woman. And you, but you got to Google the pictures of her and Bill, and she's like rubbing his back, and <laughs> it's so obvious. Well, she was last seen with fashion designer Valentino at the 2007 Cannes Film Festival. Where does it say oh, she's please. married? Yeah. Partner. She's got his partners. And, uh, she had, there was Hugh a... Grant to 2000, and he ran off with a black woman. Shane War Warney W A R N E didn't, didn't Hugh run off with a black man? I thought I thought it was a, a transsexual that he that he was caught with. Wasn't it a transsexual? It was a black transsexual. It was a black person. Black hooker. No, it was a black Who hooker. Who cares about the color? <laughs> All right, whatever. Yeah, there you go. Take notes, people. Uh it was just a black guy, black chick. Let's see, personal life. She had a couple kids. Or one at least. Oh, they they, they she was just by some casual guy. The kids always get in the way of screwing the president. This is not. This is, that's annoying. Oh, here it was in late 2002. Hurley, you're just old news. Hurley state started dating Indian textile heir yeah, 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 see, Aaron know. Nayar, uh -huh. who ran a small uh, software company since '98. Yeah, she likes nerds. Hurley and Nayar uh, married. They up. Oh, Okay, you. you got me on this. Told you. They got married at Suddeli Castle mm -hmm. in 2007, had a second traditional Hindu wedding, mm -hmm. uh, Indian celebration, blah, blah, blah. Hurley's net, Hurley, whose net worth is estimated at 13 million pounds, raised a 200-acre... <laughs> she Really? Resided on a 200-acre or 400-acre organic farm in Bamsley, Gloucester. Gloucester. All right. I don't think I care that much anymore. 
I'm just trying to figure out if she's married, still married to this guy. I can't tell. All right, whatever. I heard a very interesting. Uh, no, she divorced him in 2011. Okay. Oh, okay. So she got some money, and but the the whole bill thing was much earlier. Hmm. Yeah. I I was listening to this thing uh, on uh, I was stuck in traffic the other day. I was listening to NPR, and I think it was Fresh Air with Terry Gross, Fresh Air, and she had this author on a book about I think it was like the the joy, all joy and no fun of having children. It's just this Hurley thing reminded me of that. And all studies point to the fact that that uh, children have changed, that parenthood has changed in the past in like two generations, where kids used to be an economic plus to the family. You have some kids and you put them to work. Yeah, make them do something. Yeah, uh, but now it has ch- turned around into they've become this incredible burden and we have to ensure their happiness and make sure they don't get scratched or cut or damaged helicopter parent uh, well um, and that pretty much across the board every study shows that kids make people unhappy <laughs> 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 like yeah yeah we should get back to that put them to work <laughs> yeah yeah I think you, you've done that very well i love how you're you, you've put your kids to work all the time they like to work. Yeah, well, I think kids in general like to work. It's just not if if you don't bring them up that way, then they don't know what it is. And that's you know, a problem. They do stuff, and they you know hmm. pound nails and do books and <laughs> pound, do pound, I can't do writing. More hold writing. on, hold on. Pound nails. <laughs> and what was the other one? Do, do books. books like the accounting? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, who was pounding nails? They're all computer. They're all computer literate, which is kind of inter- interesting. Yeah, it's handy. Yeah. I've been following the Panama Canal. Now, you brought this up a few episodes ago where work has stopped. And I've been I've been looking into this. Is They want to broaden this canal. And this is a big problem. Everyone's ready for this canal to be widened so they can bring in the big ships. In fact, they're already... Um, constructing new ships based upon the Panama Canal widening. Uh, it, 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 the new locks will accommodate ships carrying up to 12,000 containers. Currently, that's 5,000 is the limit. And we were looking at this, you know, the financing. Of, there's, a, there's a dispute between the builder and the, and the Panama Canal Authority and the so the and the Spanish builders and the financiers and so this, there's an actual and it's going through the courts. That's what's happening. There is a dispute, but no one really can explain what it is. I guess it's you know it's not someone can explain it. But I don't think the documents have been published yet. But what here's what I was looking for. There is a competing canal being built through Nicaragua. That's what that's the one the Chinese are financing. Well, you know, Nicaragua was the original location yes. for the uh, Panama for the for the Nicaraguan canal. canal. Yeah, and so yeah, very funny story behind it. It was apparently easier to dig cause the Panama area. If you see any of these documentaries about that canal, it was a nightmare, and apparently it still is because of the conditions and the distance of the that you had to go up and down, and. I guess it was easier to to do one, even though it was a lot longer to do one in Nicaragua. But they had what had stopped it was kind of a weird story. What stopped it 
was a stamp. They was there was a bunch of competing groups and and they the U.S. Post Office produced a stamp uh, celebrating this alternative route. And they had a active they had on the stamp an active volcano that was actually erupting. <laughs> <laughs> so the U.S. the U.S. Congress said nix that route. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> I don't like the mushroom cloud on your stamp. <laughs> so anyway, that's one story. We have a lot of. Uh, listeners, well, not a lot. We have listeners in Panama. One of them has a hotel. Yeah, we're invited. Mm -hmm. Or you are. I don't remember my invite, but maybe. No, no, you're, of course you're invited, please. I'd love to visit Panama. It's supposed to have supposed been to be, modernized. It's really yeah. supposed to be a happening spot now. Well, he sent me a few pictures. It's beautiful. It's like, it's, I never got oh. the pictures. No, well, I think you were on the list. Um, then, let's see. Oh, yes. Uh, Google has struck a deal with the European Union to make, quote, significant changes in their search results to avoid a multi-billion euro fine. This is the result. This is, I find, fascinating for just a couple reasons. This is the, uh, this ends a three-year investigation, uh, anti-competitive, uh, anti-competition uh, investigation that Google gives higher rankings and preference to products they own in their search results. And to avoid this fine, Google has said, okay, we're, we're going to settle. However, this is the rub, which is the second time I've said that today. The, comp the competing search engines are not allowed to review the changes Google will be making. So the European Competition Commissioner, Joaquin Almunia, struck a deal with Google, and they said, okay, we're going to change what we do, but we're not going to tell everybody what it is. We're not going to let the competition review it, which I think is... They're going to get away with that? Well, it looks like Could it. Could be bullcrap. Yeah, it looks like it. Wow, there's, these guys are idiots. You got Google by the balls. I think you got to squeeze, not just let them, okay, whatever. Well, you'll recall that Joaquin is one of the guys who was being tapped by the NSA... Uh, you got to think maybe oh. they got a little something on him. Hey, listen to this call. <laughs> hey, baby. Hi, honey. Okay, <laughs> what do you want me to do now? Yeah, what are you wearing? Oh, can you touch yourself? Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, Joachim, I'm so sorry. We need to wrap this up. You know, we had, well, I'm not going to, I don't want to go into too many stories. I want to play this clip of the Central African Republic so we keep these people, people updated on all hell breaking loose in Central Africa. Douglas Herbert, uh, International Affairs Editor, joins me on set. Welcome, Doug. Welcome. Uh, speaking of the Central African Republic, I mean, uh, about 50 vehicles surrounded the town of Sibut, north of the capital, uh, Bangui, and it's sending its uh, 25,000 residents fleeing for safety. Um, it's turning out to be more difficult in Central African Republic for French troops mm. than Mali. Yeah, it, it's an entirely different ball game, to use a, a sporting metaphor for the French. <laughs> Mali, within a few days and weeks, the French were able to rack up, at least spin it, as success in many respects, having driven the Islamists back, uh, at least into their sort of redoubts in the north. Central African Republic has been a humanitarian, and a humanitarian and a security disaster for the French on all fronts. You have 1,600 
French troops, basically working alongside an overwhelmed African uh, peacekeeping force of 4,600. The EU uh, is going to be sending in its own uh, contingent of about 500 to 600, unclear which countries will contribute uh, what. They're all in over their heads. We have had basically a Christian majority, militias called the anti-Balaka, on the rampage in many areas against a much more, much smaller Muslim minority. Muslims about 10 to 15 percent of the country. It's been both sides, obviously responsible here for atrocities. It's been tit for tat killings. You've had this spiral of sectarian violence. And what you've had basically is the, the minority Muslim militias, the ones who'd originally taken power, toppled the president, the then president last year in March. Uh, they've been pushed back. They have been basically confined to barracks in the northwest, also around the capital uh, Bangui. But the problem is now they are watching Muslims. Uh, they're sitting in their barracks seeing Muslims falling victim prey to these uh, Christian militias. It is an absolute bloody mess. No one really knows what to do. A lot of the French soldiers are not even, they're afraid to get out of their tanks. Uh, they are seen as hostile, uh, sometimes by all sides, not protecting one or the other. Uh, and there have been warnings, very grim warnings, that this thing could spy, escalate into all-out genocide. It's not there yet, but the ethnic religious um, undertones and overtones of this conflict are extremely scary and some say a microcosm of what could spill across the region if they don't find a solution yeah this is very very bad and i'm just waiting for the u.n resolution to come in because the french aren't doing their job the, the french can't do the job they don't know what they're they, we if it was us and i don't believe we have too much uh, it's i could be wrong and i'm probably wrong when i say what i'm going to say mm. i don't think we have too much involvement in this there's only one pipeline that goes through car to uh cameroon and i get the sense that you know it's just you know if there's anybody over there it's it's, it's people like our economic hitman who wouldn't be there obviously but but it's just these groups it wouldn't be the state department no uh so i so this which by the way also says that things can really get rubbleized without our help so it's not like we need to be there to make things worse. But we are everywhere in Africa. And and if, and everything that comes out of the Department of Defense is all pointing towards a future in Africa once the rubbleization of the Middle East is complete, of course. We still need to work on that a little bit. Yeah. Well, we, we I think the Middle East is getting pretty close to being completely rubbleized. We'll see. But mm. anyway. Well, um then I have a a report from uh, <laughs> from Belgistan. And this is... Uh, How's things going in Belgistan? Well, not so good. Uh, now, this is... Uh, we've played some of this guy's stuff before. Dale Hurd uh, from CBN. Now, this is the Christian Broadcast Network, so it's definitely skewed. However, uh, my darling wife, Miss Mickey, has lived in Brussels... I have lived near Antwerp, and she, and she witnessed this in the, in the 90s. So imagine this report, which is not brand new. It's, just, you know, it's uh, almost a year old, but I had not heard this report yet. Uh, it's, it's really pretty incredible when you hear what's happening in, uh, in Belgistan. The graffiti says it all. Welcome to Belgistan. By the way, this guy's voice, I just need him to read for me all the time. Welcome to Belgistan. The graffiti says it all. Muslims are still a minority in Belgium, but in the capital of Brussels, they're already the largest religious group, one quarter of the city's population, and are expected to be the majority in less than 20 years. Another 2030 reference. <laughs> 
The most confrontational Muslim group here is Sharia for Belgium, which used shouting and threats to shut down a debate by moderate Muslims a few months ago. I sat down and talked to the leader of Sharia for Belgium, Faud Balkasem, alias Abu Imran. Sharia for Belgium is a small group that a lot of people don't take seriously. But he sounded very serious when he told me that he expects Muslims to rule Belgium and the world. We believe that the Sharia will do dominate. The Sharia will be implemented worldwide. Sharia for Belgium is a public relations nightmare for those Muslim groups which try to play down their ties to radicalism and Sharia law. Imran was completely open with CBN News, saying Islam and Sharia law are inseparable and democracy is wrong. Sharia is Islam, to be clear. There is no difference between Islam and Sharia. It's just a name. Uh, uh, democracy is the opposite of, of, Islam, of, of Sharia and Islam. We believe that Allah is the legislator. Allah makes the laws. He is the one who tells us what's allowed and what's forbidden. I know some Muslims who think of themselves as Democrats and they say they're against Sharia. Are they real Muslims? Yeah, that's it's really funny when I uh, hear someone saying, yeah, I, I was speaking to a democratic Muslim. It's the same thing as saying uh, I was speaking to a Christian Jew or to a Jewish Muslim or something like that. It's impossible. Do you, do you think that's true, John? Do you think that that is... Um uh, that there is a big group that believes that that is completely impossible. That uh, that you cannot be a democratic Muslim. That a Muslim, you have to be. Yeah, no, I think Sharia. this is a litany that I've heard this before. <laughs> I, I think I think that I think some course of study would lead you to that uh, conclusion. Yeah, no problem. Wow. You want to hear more? I mean, it's, I, I find yeah, this no, a fascinating report. How could you meet a Jewish Muslim or a Christian Jew and the Muslim that says he's against Sharia? He's, he's not a Muslim. It's impossible. Like in many countries across Europe, a culture war over Islam is well underway in Belgium. Last month, the mosque of Charleroi was desecrated with the mask of a pig head. <laughs> then the daughter of the head of Belgium's right-wing party, Anne-Sophie de Winter, posed in a bikini and burqa with the words in Dutch, freedom or Islam. Someone painted over this poster, giving her a full burqa. They also painted over freedom. And Sophie de Winter received death threats. Uh, <laughs> uh, this, this this is going to no good can come of this. No, no, it's a culture. You know, people mock it, but I think it's a with this group, not the moderate Muslims who are trying to get out from under the these guys. Who, by the way, these, are not, these guys are, are are just a bad group of people. Yeah, and and I'm not getting tons of emails from moderate Muslims saying, "Wow, yeah, right on." I'm just not seeing it. So please send me send me some info. I don't think we have that many Muslims that listen to the show. Why not? I well, think I think we there certainly must have some. Well, maybe you get some notes from some. We did. We had a couple of guys that were a little more active on the show than mm. they disappeared. Let me just fast forward to the end of this report because what the guy says there, I think, is kind of the the main point. Uh, there will be a majority Muslims here in Belgium, uh, even the city uh, Antwerp. Uh, more than 40% of the children in the schools are Muslims. So it's just a matter of time. No problem. We don't, we don't have any problem. And Imran offered this advice to white native Belgians. Uh, if, they wanna, if they want to uh, uh, push us back or something like that, I don't know, maybe they can start to marry four wives and have a lot of children. <laughs> start with that, maybe they will have a chance, but I don't think so. <laughs> there you go. Them's fighting yeah. words. That wraps it up. <laughs> you need four. Hey, by the way, I'm 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 all for it. Four wives.
Woo! And a lot of children to work. And they could actually, yeah, there's the four. There's that. And four, you can go beyond. I mean, four is what the current thinking is, but I think they could go on to. Yeah, that's what you need is like four wives. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> no, I thought, I was thinking, I had you more in mind, quite honestly. I thought you, you might I enjoy I, Well, four wives, the way I do things, is possible. They'll all be in different places. So uh, I do want to uh, forgot to give the jobs karma ah, for our call outs. I'm so sorry. Hold on. And a I second. also want to. I got a note by the way, a letter on one of the checks that came in from uh, Thomas uh, Butterick, who's a sergeant in the Marines, mm-hmm. and he has a signature that is like, if this guy's not an artist, he should be. Mm. I mean, this is it's the best signature I've ever seen on a note. It's like a blah. It looks like a square when it's all f- done and finished. Well, anyway, he, right. want, he wanted a, short, a shout out to his brother Samuel, so I'm going to give him that, and uh, also add him to the job karma. Jobs, call, call, jobs, call out. jobs, and jobs. Let's vote for jobs. Yeah! You thought karma. There you go. Jobs karma. Uh, okay, I th- I think I think we're done for today. <laughs> Unless you yeah, have, all this, the other stuff is minor. Unless you have something else. Uh, I think we've covered the main bases. Uh, I guess what we'll be waiting for now is to see the opening of the Sochi Games. We're hoping... With the dog? See, we're, we're waiting for a dog. It'll be one of those little... Uh, that, the other thing you can do, what kind of a dog? We can give, Since we both agree there's going to be a dog, what do you think? It's, I think it's going to be a small, yappy dog that jumps a lot, like a... <laughs> A mid-sized dog, like the poodle-sized dog, that, and he's going to be jumping a lot. No, I think it'll be more of And those... running around like crazy, and they're going to chase him, and they won't be able to catch him. He's going to be one of those. Oh, that's interesting. I was thinking more one of those mongrels that, you know, the, the shaggy and kind of like has like three... A piece le- of crap-looking dog has, that's beat? Has three legs. Uh, a tripod? <laughs> it's like hopping around, trying to make it in. I, I was thinking one of those. Well, we'll have to see. Anyway, Newland's got her job cut out for her. She needs to get that, roll that dog in there. But that may save her job, as a matter of fact. That, that, was, that was that. If she can pull that yeah, one we'll off, keep an eye on this. I think this thing has got legs. I, by the way, I agree with her. F the EU. Yeah, because oh, yeah. of all the things that you know are going on, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned, she's right on the money. But this is not going to fly with the, with anybody. Uh, the chat room. Is, I, I'm on her side with F the EU. The chat room is suggesting a dingo instead of a dog. <laughs> a dingo, but a, a, a wild kangaroo just bouncing around. It never gets that. All right, all right, everybody. Thank you very much for your support. Uh, please help us for Sunday. They've been bad uh, of late. Dvorak.org/na, and uh, we'll be all over everything as we always do because that's what you make us do. We're happy to perform these services for you. Coming to you from a very chilly FEMA Region 6 here in the capital of the Drone Star State, Austin, Texas. In the morning, everybody, I'm Adam Curry. And from northern Silicon Valley, where it was raining this morning, but now it's stopped. I should get the rain stick out. I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll be back on Sunday right here on No Agenda. Love. It's the most powerful thing on the planet. Oreos are just as addictive as cocaine. The best podcast in the universe. Dvorak.org slash N-A.